From downtown, this is Tim Kitsa from NBA Jam, and you're listening to Nintendo Main Podcast. Boom shakalaka! This week on Nintendo Main, GoldenEye is on the Nintendo Switch Online now, and we also have another indie NES homebrew game coming out soon. I used a laser and I got a gold eye. My couch is a battlefield. podcast episode 356 your place to hear nintendo fans talk about how great or ungreat goldeneye is the 64 game and we're your hosts i'm trey the four bonds are real johnson and i'm jeremy multi-party madness mikowski and i'm john exploding head knitter ouch you see a doctor for that that's a hell of a migraine since last week uh, goldeneye has showed up on the nintendo switch yeah what the fuck goldeneye on the switch did we ever think this would happen? We mentioned it was happening, and it did happen. I mean, did we think, you know, like a year ago? Yeah. Two years ago. I was I was right um, that it came out on Thursday, because it always does. And it came out at uh, 7 o'clock on Thursday. Yeah. I don't know why they even say Friday still, but whatever. Double O seven 7 o'clock? Yeah. So they even announced on Thursday that it was available. Yeah. It's like coming out Friday, and then it comes out on Thursday. But I think it's like a Japanese thing, because it's... Mm-hmm comes out there whatever which i haven't has anybody played has anybody played it on uh the japanese uh 64 app yet probably not no i thought about trying it to see if there's any difference but i don't think there is but we played it we actually well we played it not all together but we played it partially like i played it with jeremy the night that it came out on thursday and then i played it with john and jesse the friday after that so i've played with different people but not all three of us in the same thing we got got on a four player yet yeah yeah but it was it was pretty fun. I mean, Jeremy and I we played the two player. Oh yeah, and we've done uh, and this was you know somebody somebody posted on Reddit whatever. I figured it out before any of that, and I wanted to make a video about it, but everybody had already made videos about it. We were we were all on the same path. All of our brains were in the same thing. But uh, it was figured out. I figured out how to play it like a modern first person shooter, where you basically go in and remap the controls. And I thought I was going to have to do it uh, specifically with the eight bit dough, but I didn't. I didn't remember that. Um, that you can actually swap sticks like in the regular uh, controls for the Nintendo Switch. So, for anybody who's taking notes who hasn't played it, hasn't played GoldenEye like the way you know to make it like not shitty or make it less shitty, I guess. Um, all you have to do is just go to the options, like go to System Settings, go all the way down to the bottom where it says uh, Controllers, and go to Remapping. You you basically uh, go to the Analog Stick options. You turn on Switch Left to Right and Switch Right to Left. Turn both of those on. And you basically change, you turn ZR into ZL, and you turn ZL into L. And then there you have it. You have a, you have a modern first-person shooter GoldenEye game. And now you, you can, can save a preset as GoldenEye, so you can just do it one time. And next time you want to play GoldenEye, just go there, put that preset on, and you're good. Yeah, you can you can save it with a name now, which, because uh, I, I don't know if you remember way back in 2020 when my hand was all fucked up. 
and I couldn't like use my right hand to play games at all, I was like remapping shit like crazy, like trying. I basically put all the buttons on one side for Animal Crossing so I could play it, you know, without that. And you, you used to not be able to name your presets, but now you can. So that's cool. So one of those updates that happened in the last like three years uh, made it to where you can actually name it now, which is pretty cool. So I do want to say without Trey like talking me through it, I don't think I could have wrapped my brain around it initially. Um, I'm glad you talked me through it. And I'm glad that I finally messed with those settings because I've been too afraid to. Like I've been too intimidated. Like I'm going to mess something up where I can't ever go back. So. I know now it's not that bad. I just, I don't know that I was just very intimidated to ever change the controls. I, I walked John through it too. Like it's pretty. Yeah, uh, it was simple. Yeah, it's pretty simple. But and and the it great, is. I was gonna say the, the great thing about it is that whenever you like to put your game, put your system to sleep and like turn it back on or whatever, it will tell you that the controller has mm-hmm. been altered. Like so, it's. It's very cool I about think it. It'll gives you a prompt you. where you can reset it, like right there. Yeah, so. same thing. If you start a different game, it'll say, "Hey, your controller has been uh, the the stuff has been remapped in a different way." Yeah, and all you have to do is just hit hit A on reset, and it'll reset everything. So it's pretty easy for you to go back to whatever your regular control is. So that's pretty cool. So it's it's made it. I think it's made it pretty accessible in that way. The subject of the control, like I've actually I I, I played it with the N sixty four controller and. I decided to make a good effort. I knew about I knew about switching the the buttons and all that stuff. I want to make a good effort at at like getting myself back into the sixty four controls. And it took me about thirty minutes. Like I got it. It is awkward, yes, but there's a moment there where it it clicked for me, and like I'm perfectly fine using the N sixty four controller. And sometimes I think it's kind of fun to do that because you know that's the way it was. That's the way I played it. You know, twenty five years ago or whatever. So I, I can see using both controls going forward, just whatever the mood, uh, you know, if I want to use the actual controller or, or use my updated controller, I'd be good with that, either one. Did you play it like 1.1 or 1.2? I played it 1.1 because that's the way I always played it. Oh, okay. Because I always, once, uh, it, it was Turok. It was actually Turok yep. that ruined everything for me. Once I played Turok and I realized that you could actually run and aim and shoot in a first-person shooter game on 64, that was the end. And then I found out that you, you could use 1.2, where you move with the C buttons and you aim with the analog stick. And it gave you a huge advantage over everybody when you were doing multiplayer. So we basically, me and my friends, if you weren't doing the solitaire setup, you were worthless. Because like, <laughs> you, you wouldn't be able to headshot everybody. So that was, uh, if I was to play it with the 64 controller, I'd play it like that. But I, uh, yeah, I kind of hated the original control, like even when I first got the game. Like, I didn't think it worked very well. Because I was used to playing, like, Doom and stuff on PC, which, you know, which worked better. But once, like I said, once Turok, like, showed the correct way for me to play first-person shooters, everything had to be like that. I Even even Doom 64, I think that kind of saved Doom 64 for me because I changed it. Like, even though you don't aim in that game, I changed it to where you would turn with the analog stick and move with the C buttons. And, and I can still play like that. Like, I played some... Uh, I played some PSP games like that. Like I had a Star Wars Battlefront for PSP, and you can play it like that because there's only one analog stick on it. And I, you know, and you can do similar things on uh, 3DS, I guess, the old one that didn't that doesn't have the nub or whatever. But you know, I think it's I, I haven't I didn't play it with this. This is the first like uh, 64 thing that I haven't like automatically played it with the 64 controller. Well, I think it's kind of funny because I like yeah, I turned my house upside down looking for my 64 controller, which ended up being. One of those like hiding in plain sight scenarios. It was just sitting somewhere. 
the whole time where I could have just easily found it. But I finally got it and I was ready to play. And then as soon as I get online, uh, I was like, I hate these controls. Or I, I think I'd mentioned it previously. And then Trey talked me <laughs> through mapping the 8-bit toe. And that's how I've been playing since. But you were pretty excited about it when we were playing two player. You said it was. Oh, it's, you said it's it was great. The, it was said that you said it was the best you've ever been at the game. It <laughs> is <laughs> like I mean, like of all time. Yeah, even since when it came out and all. Well, that. and I have you know I'm not a first person shooter player on the regular, but I've played more since then. So it is indoctrinated in me ever since Time Splitters Two. That's the first game I played with the dual analog where it really clicked for me, and that's what I want in every game now when I play with the controller. For sure, yeah. Besides Metroid Prime Echoes, I did have to learn, or not Echoes, uh, Corruption. That was one where you had to learn new stuff. You got to aim with the. I mean, well, you, the you still the Metroid Prime Three one had first person shooter style controls. It was one and two on GameCube that didn't. Well, but it still had like this thing where you would go to the edge of the screen and then it would start rotating. Yeah, know, yeah. Like, there is the there is like a weirdness to it that kind of exists in the GoldenEye game as well, where. Your your aim is also your like left and right turn, which is awkward, but you get used. to Oh, it. you mean like how much uh, like how much the dead box is in the middle? Yeah, like how far you need to yep. go. Like I remember uh, back in the days of Wii, like when I was trying to get like the perfect like you know aiming control, I would try to make the dead box like as small as I could, you know. So like every so like you just have to move a little bit to start turning. Which that's another thing. I mean, that's another golden eye, which we'll talk about later. That I was actually playing today was trying to get used to the the Wii controls again which you know it took me it took me a couple minutes but I did get I did get back into it again so did you guys see that they removed the four bonds from uh this uh so, this yeah. version actually so that yeah that that was my nickname cuz when uh, when Jeremy and I we were playing multiplayer I was talking about the the original four bonds I don't know if you remember this John like maybe your friends mm-hmm. talked about it too but we in high school we talked a lot about the you know the, the supposed four bonds that were in there where they were originally planning on having like you know all of the all of the people who had been Bond at the time, which was mm-hmm. you know Pierce Brosnan obviously is in the game, but what was it like Timothy Dalton, Sean Connery, and, Roger, Sean Connery Moore and, and Roger Moore, but I, I think yeah. not George Lazenby because he was only in one right. movie. The one off, but uh, but yeah, that was the plan was that they were going to have these three Bonds in there, and I remember seeing footage with an actual different Bond in there, and I and I looked at you know I was talking to Jeremy about it, and uh, I knew it was in one of the promo <laughs> videos. And I thought it was the original promo video where they where they showed off um, uh, Mario sixty four, Pilot Wing sixty four, and uh, Shadows of the Empire. That did have Goldeneye footage in it, but it just has one second of them just shooting with a gun. That's all it is. So I looked up. So I looked up the Star Fox video, which that's the one where they kidnap the guy from Nintendo and they torture the front butt Mario uh, to have them talk about Star Fox sixty four and all that. And the sizzle reel on the end of that shows the other Bond, like shows a Bond that's not Pierce Brosnan. Which I think is Sean Connery moving in the multiplayer, like an actual model of it. So I looked online, and then I all I could see was people saying that it was the four bonds was a hoax, and it was just made up, and people would just like say that it was like a secret in there, and it was like an April Fool's joke for like some websites and all that stuff. And I was like, I think it was really in there. But then, yeah, as you're saying, there was a, there was a uh, article posted saying that um, they like you know d- they like dove into the into the whatever the the game. To see what was in there, and uh, they, I guess it was it was taken out, but there's some stuff left in there to show that it had existed. So there are like still framed pictures of like the actual bonds of like uh, Timothy Dalton and Roger Moore and Sean Connery and all that. So, so it does exist. I always believed that it existed, and we would always talk. Me and my friends in high school, we talk about how it was there, 
and that it was never put out because of licensing. Like, that's what we thought. And I think we read that from, like, IGN or something like that in, in like, 97 or whenever this came out. So, yeah, the four Bonds, they're real. They're actually in there. But, yeah, I even paused it on my, on my phone of, like, the other Bond in the footage just to prove that it's real. I'm like, it's real. Yeah, I know Daniel I saw Craig's it. in there. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no Daniel Craig yet. But, yeah, no, um... Goldeneye, did uh, did either of you like play much of the single player, or you just been fucking around a little with bit? I, mean, I got, I think, past the uh, uh, with the 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 one where you, the second level basically where you, you you repel into the bathroom or whatever. Yeah, the repel into the bathroom is the first level, and then you and then well, that's, the first one is the is the, the second the level, dam. Yeah. yeah, but the dam ends with you repelling off of the side, and you yeah, show yeah. up in the bathroom. So I got past, just past the second level. I'm on the third level, I guess. So the, yeah, the second level is where you meet up with 006 and you blow up the thing. I keep and he messing gets killed up. I, and... uh, I've gotten pretty far in the second level, but I keep forgetting I do save states and I keep accidentally shooting 006. I've done that twice now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first time it's because I thought he was a bad guy, but the second time was because I was trying to remember the buttons and then I shot him. I would accidentally blow him up sometimes with the mines on the on the gas things or whatever yeah. that you're supposed to blow up. Well, to be that fair, was was everybody trying... does have a big blocky face. It all looks kind of the same. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's dressed differently, but um, yeah, I, I did actually. I beat the game on Agent, like all the way. I went all the way to the end, and uh, and got and actually figured that that end cradle level is kind of confusing. Actually, a lot of the levels are really confusing in this game, and some of them look really really bad. Like uh, the jungle level looks awful now. <laughs> like it looks really really generic, and it's just basically a straight line. Like there's real like not. It's just you going through a you know like a straight line with like. You know, it has like there's like these tree walls around, and there's these kind of like really, really um, generic like a uh, uh, leaf uh, polygons on the side, and yeah, it looks bad. Like a lot, I feel like a lot of these. I feel like people only remember the good levels of Bond, which is probably like the dam level and like uh, the the dam level in the facility, probably like the or like the main. And those are where the good music is too. Like when you get later through the game, some of the music kind of gets bad too it's, it's not really great gets gets kind of generic and all that i feel like as far as the look two generations ago i would have said oh it looks bad now but i think like i'm so far removed from it and then also the, having it in hd you know crisped up a little bit i think now it's come around full circle to be like okay this is this is like something that could be made today as as a purposeful art style the blocky n64 art style so it, now it's come back around to being kitschy and kind of kind of novel to me. Well, once you get to the later levels that look bad, we'll talk. Like you've only played the ones yeah. that look good. The first two levels look good, but later on they don't. <laughs> they spend all the, they spend all their time on the opening levels, which a lot of games do. Makes sense. But I'm just saying when you get when you get to like the library where all the walls look the same and you get and you get confused and you run around circles no for, for thirty hours <laughs> or not thirty hours, but it, that I got to the library where you're supposed to rescue uh, natalia for like the 70th time and uh and i killed everybody in the level and i could not fucking find where she was where she was being held at so i just walked around in circles for like two hours until i finally found one door that looked like the hundred other doors that were in there and then i blew up a window and jumped out and that was the end like it's it, it gets pretty frustrating later later when the levels look way too samey or there's like the one where you meet like um had the hagrid guy in russia like that one looks pretty bad too so it's like I felt like the same way as you did, like at the beginning, where I'm like, "Yeah, Bond is back, and this is fun, and I got a better control on it." But like the farther you get into it, the levels there's just levels that are just stupid, 
They're stupid and repetitive and they look like crap. So, I mean, it's like, and it's funny because, yeah, at the time, everybody was like, oh, my God, Goldeneye is the doom killer. You know, it's like all this blah, blah, blah. But you, I'm, I've said it a million times. You put this game, you play this game, and you and you play Doom 64, and you put them right next to each other. And Doom 64 looks way better than, than Goldeneye does. Like from like an art from an art standpoint and from a like level design standpoint, even though the characters in that are like are like up-res uh, sprites, like they look it looks incredible. And I think and I would even say that Turok one two look better as well. Like if you'd play them now versus versus Goldeneye, I just don't think maybe because Goldeneye was trying to be more realistic, it hasn't aged as well. Like most you know realism games look like shit in a couple of years, you know. It's I feel like the ones who have, that have like a higher art design, they they still stick around better. You know, they look better because I played through all of Turok One HD version on Switch. I also played through all of Doom sixty four HD version, and yeah, they both look better than Goldeneye, <laughs> definitely. Like uh, they play better too. Like I think I think uh, Doom is the levels are structured so much better. Like I would say the very very last boss of the game kind of sucks, and if you didn't find all of the bonus stuff in the extra levels. It's kind of really hard to, to get through, but the levels in themselves are fantastic. Like they're built really, really well, and like the lighting designs and like just the pacing, I think it's great. Those are my thoughts on that. It's well, a pretty impressive that, uh, game for being thirty uh, years old. Yeah, but uh, but there are I, I, I was gonna say, um, but there are some good things about Goldeneye. You know, at the time, uh, it was pretty interesting that like you know you depending on where you shot the character, they would react in different ways. Like you could shoot them in the hand and they would drop their, drop their gun and stuff like that. Yeah. That was really cool. That, that really stuck out to me at the time. Like, I can't believe like if I shoot him in the leg, he's going to react like his, his, his leg got shot. You know, that was, I think that was a first, at least it was a first for me to experience that level of you know preciseness with the shooting. Yeah. You could shoot him in the hand and they would react to it. Or you could shoot him in the foot and they would like kind of hop and on one leg and, they would do different things and like that was that was a big deal at the time also like it was there was only a certain amount of uh of like uh, enemies per level so you could kill everybody in every level and they wouldn't respawn like that was really cool because like doom didn't really do that because they would have respawning stuff even though i think 64 does have a limited amount of of bad of enemies like they will stop at one point but i but i remember yeah they had like a specific amount of people also like it kind of you know went out of its way to try to like mimic the stuff from the movie which i thought was really cool because i was a fan of the movie like i had the movie on vhs because this game came out like way way after the movie was already in the theater and i think i went to go see it in the theater a couple times when it when it came out and all that so i was impressed by how much they mimicked the stuff in the movie and i liked how you actually got to do a lot of the cutscenes. you know i felt like that was a new thing you know where you can actually like jump off of the side you know when he does like the the bungee, the bungee uh, cord thing, and you can actually do that, you know, instead of like watching it. It was like less cutscenes and more like you actually doing the events, and I thought that was really neat for the time. I'm just happy that it's on the Switch because once again, it just kind of proves that literally anything can come to the Switch. Anything can, and, and I know, everything I know has. it's on other systems <laughs> as well, but still, yeah, it's on. Uh, I mean, it's on Xbox also, hmm. but still, it's like, yeah, it's. It's pretty cool. I mean, it, aside from it looking like real generic and kind of crappy at times, I'm still happy that it's on there. Like I was happy to play through the whole thing. And save state is wonderful. Like I love I love save state because yeah. yeah, a lot of these things like you, especially like the protection, the the escort missions or whatever, which are always the worst. Um now you can just kind of like save state your way through it. And so if you like you're saying if you if you forget like where the trigger is and you accidentally shoot Natalia, you don't have to go all the way back to the beginning of the level again. You can just I need to go remember back. to use those. 
Or like what I or like when you got to the end when you find um Alan was it Alan Cummings is his name? Yep. Uh Nightcrawler is what I was calling him because I couldn't remember his name. Uh, but uh when you run into Boris uh towards the end of the game, you know, you he like you you can shoot him, but I think you fail the mission because Natalia will later like she'll like pretty much break up with you. She'll be like, Oh my god, I saw you kill Boris on the on the camera. I'm gonna go back to the elevator and wait for you. So I I would like so I basically got to Boris and I save stated and then I shot him. And then I saw what happened, and then I went back to my save state so I could not shoot him that time. You know, you can do stuff like that where you can save it and Basically then kill the guy Groundhog Day and then go back. So you can be like, well, let's see. Yeah, let's see. Let's, what, ha- what happens here? I do I do still find the uh, the mission objectives are still pretty confusing. Like if you don't know, if you haven't played the game yeah. in a while. Oh, super confusing. You're not going to know what they are because they don't really tell you and they don't really show them to you either. Like when I was on that final level with Boris – you're supposed to destroy the armed uh, mainframes. Like, I don't know what the armed mainframes are. They're like these big tower-looking things. I actually had to look online because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like, I'd been running around in circles, and I'd, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's happening here. And it turns out there's six of them, and you have to use, like, mines to, to blow them up with. So if you didn't know what you were doing, and you, like, used the mines to destroy something else that you thought was a mainframe, you'd run out of mines, and you wouldn't be able to destroy them all. So it's like, it's like little stuff like that that makes it really, really easy for the levels to be failed and you just don't know. And it's, that kind of makes it not age as well. I don't, I don't think. Yeah. I remember the, in the second level with the alarms, it, it said destroy all the alarms and it didn't tell you how many alarms there were. Yeah. And they um, don't, and they don't tell you when you hit one, it doesn't say like one of six or whatever, like that would really help, right. but they don't do that. Yep. Maybe they, I think, I feel like they did in uh, perfect dark maybe, but yeah, that's, it can be, it can get real confusing in that way. So it's kind of like, that's why it's kind of, it can be kind of not fun to play where it's like, well, I don't know how to do this or I don't know how to do this thing. And a lot of times it's like, or like we have to attach that like hacker thing to the modem or whatever. And you only have one mm-hmm. and you act, and if you accidentally miss it or you throw it on a thing, that's not the right modem or whatever, it's, you know, the mission's over like that. So it's like, there's like really, there's not a whole lot of leeway in a, in a lot of these, you know, where it's just kind of like, that can get, that can get really annoying. And especially, uh. And I did, I did like how, like, um, you know, depending on what difficulty level you're on, you get like more objectives. Like if you're, you know, like if you're on agent, you just have to like run and just jump on the thing. But if you're on, if you're playing on a, on a whatever double agent or secret agent is the middle one, a secret agent, you have to go and destroy all the alarms and all that, which you wouldn't have to do in the easiest mode, like that sort of thing. I thought that was cool, and that carried on through uh, Perfect Dark, and it even carried on through uh, Time Splitters. One through three had that uh, formula as well, where the where the level would get more complicated depending on what uh, what difficulty you're playing it on, which is which is pretty cool. Regarding the emulation quality, uh, the composer of the original game posted on Twitter saying that he thinks the old team would have done better, and in fact, they weren't even consulted on this re-release. So no, nobody was contacted about, hey, do you want to come on in and uh, work yeah. on updating GoldenEye? And they, it seems like they all would have done it. From his uh, reaction, Graham Norgate. Um, uh, yeah. th- I mean, this this actually sounds like some uh, deja vu right here. If you remember uh, the release of Star Fox Two, uh, nobody was informed of that either. <laughs> like none of the people who worked on it even knew it happened until after the fact. So this isn't oh, a yeah. new, this isn't a new thing. Like this uh, was a Dylan Dylan Cuthbert like said Cuthbert, the same yeah. thing where it was complete surprise to him that it came out. Like he didn't even know. Like nobody had even like asked him or anything but 
you know, that's the fun of uh, make working for games on for a company is that you don't own anything or, or writing anything or creating anything for a company is that you don't own anything. So that's part of the fun of that, right? So they will, won't contact you even if you write, even if you make a fucking Marvel character, you know, they own it now. So they won't consult you about it or whatever. So that's, uh, I mean, that's that's uh, not really much of a surprise on, on that on that uh, area. So I wanted to ask you guys, you know, with this impo- with this unlikely port having happened, what's the one rare game you want to come to to the Switch next? For me, it would be Conquer. Yeah, out of all that they've done, I really want Easily. to see Conquer on the Switch. I think Easily. well, I think Conquer is a good possibility. I think any rare thing is a good possibility. I guess you, the only thing is like I know you thought before because it's a mature game, but I mean, Bond is a teen game and has blood in it. You know, like I don't think. Uh, they're worried that much about it for the NSO app or whatever. Maybe they're still put some. I think sort they'd of be thing more worried about like the sexual content, of con- and, yeah, of you know, pissing on things and all that. Yeah. Some of the humor that probably hasn't aged as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's definitely some bad. Hum- well, we talked about Conquer. We did an episode like way back when with N64 Today and all that, and yeah, there's that whole part where like uh, where like the rake kills himself because he just asked him to kill himself. Like that's like yeah. That's like not, yeah. It's not really cool now. It's like it's super dark. It goes so dark there, where it's just like basically people yeah. are like, "Yeah, you suck." His his like quote unquote friends are heckling him, telling him to kill himself, essentially. So. Yeah, and then he does. Well, then he hangs himself, but he has no neck, he tries, so he doesn't yeah. die. Yeah, but I was just like, "Wow, that's okay." I didn't expect that. That's like the first like couple hours of the game, so it's not really that much of a spoiler, but still. Um, right. I guess I mean for me, always outside of rare is I want body harvest on there, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. But I would love, I would love for it to happen. That's always one. That's always a go-to for me that I would like. Although it's Nintendo, I feel we should mention this just because it's scandalous. So for people that own the Xbox version of Rare Replay, they've been told this whole time that when GoldenEye was released, they would get, you know, they would just get it for free, which is true if you own the digital copy. But for people that that's own physical. the physical copy, yeah, Microsoft made a statement that was like, "We're sorry." Because it was published physically, the rights were different back then, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it sounded like bullshit. It's like, why couldn't they just give a va- like? We'll just send you a voucher or something like that. You know what I mean? Or like DLC or something. Like, you just can make still- it free for everybody on Xbox, if nothing else. Like, yeah, it's it's weird. That yeah, that's shitty. So I I think a lot of people were pretty pissed about that because you know there's still a lot of people that w- would rather collect their games physically and. They are early adopters if they bought it for the Xbox One. Mm-hmm. So they're like loyal, you know, Xbox fans who have been staying in that ecosystem and they're getting screwed over it. So I feel bad for them. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, it, they so, but it was like on Game Pass and stuff, right? But I guess you have to buy Game Pass right. to get it. So, yeah. so it is on Game Pass. That is true. But yeah, yeah, you would have to have a subscription. And if you were a physical loyalist, yeah, you're games media, with the exception of downloading. Goldeneye, I guess. Yeah, you should. Um, you should just yeah, get people it. who collect physical media—they don't like old games anyway. What we do. <laughs> they, don't. they only want to buy the newest games on physical media. As- aside from all my gripes on Goldeneye, though, I do think the multiplayer is still fun, even though it is whatever it is. I, I had fun playing it with Jeremy, and I had fun playing it with with John and Jesse. And jo- and Jesse is way better than I am. So Jesse's really good he, at he, it. He yeah. kicked my ass when we played that, so uh, I didn't wasn't ready for that. So. Uh, so way to go! I thought it was it, worth it mentioning. I did me. win a match against Trey. You did, uh, yeah. You beat me. However on the... many, ma- however many matches we played, I won one. But you I'm won so the proud. you won the license to kill the one hit kill one. Yeah, one hit kill with lasers. So 
Yeah, and we played. I with, got pretty lucky. We played with lasers too. And our, our final... at one point, my cat tried to run interference, but you could see it on the YouTube. <laughs> oh I yeah. One. Oh yeah, we have a YouTube uh, of Jeremy and I playing it on there and talking about Goldeneye. So you can watch that if you want at at youtube.com slash podcast. Yeah, when we did our final match uh, with John and Jesse, uh, we did. Uh, we were like, we put it to like first to twenty, like license to kill, one hit kills, you know. And then we did a random level, and then we got stuck in the fucking cave again. The cave, the cave, kind yeah, of like the worst level. Yeah, the cave kind it's of all sucks. brown. Yeah, there's all curves, really, really those straightaways. Yeah, it's real dark. It's easy to get lost in, and yeah, classic cave problems. When uh, when I I remember playing this in college at LCC, uh, where Jeremy and I went, and um, we would always play with DK mode on, which is the giant head and the giant arms, of course, the giant head and the long arms to make the characters look like Donkey Kong. Uh, we also played it with a paintball where it would where it have the paint on the walls, you know, and we played it in turbo mode. And I looked up that turbo mode is real, is a real thing where you go way faster. It's a cheat that you can unlock. We played in turbo mode and we played in one hit kills. And that was just how we did it. <laughs> that was just that was just the way they wanted to do it. So I guess maybe the turbo mode because it was faster and maybe harder to aim, I guess, because you're moving around so fast. I don't know. Probably just more fun once you were, like, super familiar with the game. Yeah. So that was that was how we played it. So that was... Because uh, people did the same thing with Street Fighter 2. Well, yeah, all the, all the turbos make it extra fast. But, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm glad it's there. It's just... Uh, it just doesn't look so great. <laughs> now, uh, now that you look at it, it's like some of those levels are like, mm, yeah, it looks... Uh, and the HD doesn't help, because the HD, like shows like how minimal the level is like how it's just like a few polygons on top of a flat surface you know if it wasn't hd it's a little bit darker you can't tell as bad as it looks but when it gets brighter it looks worse you know like like a lot of older movies where like you do the hd version you can see the strings and stuff like that like that sort of thing that's what i think i've noticed with the upgrade to hd is the explosions they i won't say they look better they just look interesting to me because they're you know they're 2d explosions they're just mm-hmm. pixels but the way they kind of like billow and they the way they animated it it almost looks like all of a sudden there's this little claymation explosion going on i don't, I don't think it looks bad it just looks like oh i, I never saw it look like that before and yeah. it's kind of fascinating to me yeah it's all about like at the time they were trying to make a realistic game but now we look at it as a stylistic game so if you're just this is the style you know it's the limitations if you're Looking at it objectively, you can enjoy stuff like that. But I could totally see someone just being like, why does anyone like this game? This oh, yeah, sure. If you haven't played it before, you might be like, <laughs> uh, what the fuck? Especially if you're like a Call of Duty person that was raised on that. Sure. Oh, I think there's a, a solution for that would be if Nintendo would have a hard look at the Atari collection. And every time they put out one of these games, put on a little something to give it some context. I think that should yeah. be a new standard. Re- redo this, this the, the, the NSO app. And every single game on there, give it a little bit of context to say, hey, this was like the first console, first person shooter that became really popular and set a lot of standards for what you know today. That would go a long way. I wish they would do that. Also, one thing I noticed that's really weird is the hop, how all the characters do that weird hop. Like whenever you're mm-hmm. going through the single player where they do that like side hop, everybody does it and you can't and you can't miss it now. It looks really dumb. It's they're supposed. Do you mean, to... do you mean like when you're peeking out from around a corner? No, like when they just all the AI characters do it. Like the bad guys, they do this weird hop, oh. or they jump from one side to another. I've seen it. It, it always looked like the most awkward thing ever when 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 the original game came out, and now it looks even sillier. They just they just kind of like they just jump like that. They do it. To they dodge they, out they of do the it way. all the time. Yeah, it's supposed to be yeah, a dodge out was, of the way, yeah, but it looks, to make it look more. But it looks really awkward and funny now. 
So look out for the hop. Now that you're next, I time, will say, next time you play it, you'll see it everywhere. Going back to those animations of like when you shoot the characters and stuff, like I think most modern first person shooters don't even deal with that anymore. It's like well, the people just want to like kill, like they're just killing and they're moving on, you know, like we don't need all these special animations. But at the time, they thought that's what the people want. They want the realistic animations with the shooting and they react to the spots and all that. I did like I did like the animations a lot when it came out. Like I was very impressed. Like I liked how you could shoot their hands and make them drop guns and stuff like that. In a way, it's almost like an anachronistic for that reason that it's like they went out of their way to like predict the future or whatever or mm-hmm. what the trajectory was going to be, and then that ended up not being the thing. Like there's some games, sure, where you can do that, and there are especially games where you can literally like disable limbs and stuff, but. I think for the most part, just your standard first-person shooter, you're not going to get reactions based on where you shoot. Or if you do, it's going to be a lot more minimal. Sure. Uh, on, on John's question earlier about um, what games you want to see ported to Switch, what I want, it'll probably never happen, but I want the other Bond game that was on N64, The World Is Not Enough. I thought, we saw, I thought that game was great when it came out. And I think was it that looks, a rare game? And I think it looks better. No, I think it was EA that did it, maybe. But it wasn't. It was a. It was came out after Goldeneye, and I always thought it was. Uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was a little better than the '64 one. It definitely was. the The missions made a lot more sense, and you could do a lot more as far as like interactivity and stuff like that. But I would love to see that game in HD because I think it's pretty good. I think it's also worth mentioning that uh, because we should with every game we play. Like I thought that the online mode ran smooth. Like you literally just you know it's like all the other games where you just you're just playing quote-unquote on your friends in 64 if they're the one hosting it and then you're watching them select all the stuff and it just it works like a dream and i didn't i didn't feel delay or anything like that while i was playing and if i did cool if they could hiccups it would be cool if if we could just have you know one screen not show all four screens that's the thing so there is there is a workaround for that yeah we didn't try oh yeah yeah the zoom in yeah you literally you go to the menu you enable the zoom or you double click the home button and that allows you to zoom so that would be the honor system that you could totally do that. But I think you would only be able to do it for, for like, a, if you're doing four player. Like, I don't think you can zoom to exactly. half the screen. Like, if you're doing the two, so you'd have to true. have four people playing at once, or at least three. So you could zoom to that. To that. You square. would also have to have like a, a treaty at the beginning or whatever, so that you could like set up your screen. Yeah, you have no, to. No, you have to no, work just on stand that. still. We're all setting up our screens. <laughs> okay, now, now we go. Or you can all four of you get some cardboard and. Cut it out so that only your yeah you I mean you could always just yeah you could also just like put a piece of paper over your TV uh, covering the other people like it's not because they because they won't be next to you so you could just like just yeah just cut out a thing and just stick it to your TV (laughs) if you but then you won't be able to select anything after that because you won't be able to see where the options are the uh, the world is not enough was uh, developed by Eurocom and it was published by EA. So there you go. Came out in 2000. October. I wonder why it switched over to EA after GoldenEye was so successful. Why didn't they give it to Rare? Maybe Probably because they bought the done. license. I mean, it they... was successful, but it was on the Nintendo 64. So it was successful, True. like relatively speaking. Yeah. So they, they I see. Well, yeah, I, think, I, probably, think it... I bet Rare was working on Perfect Dark or whatever else and didn't want to do it, maybe. Well, I mean, I think it was a licensing thing. I think the Bond license was just moved to from one to another, you know. So, I mean, that's, that's, I, I mean, yeah, after Rare did that, they probably wanted to do their own thing, but I'm sure also, you know, like, uh, licenses would always go all over the place from one to another. So I don't think, I think they just didn't have it. So at the time, but I thought that game was really good. And 
it's it's crazy because uh, the setup for this, the Eurocom developer and the EA publisher, that's the same company that did the other GoldenEye game. Actually, I think it was Activision, but it is still. Tell us more about this other GoldenEye game. But GoldenEye, they made they 007. Actually, they actually remastered GoldenEye for Wii, and it's and I thought it was pretty awesome at the time. And I was since I was playing this GoldenEye, I was like, I wonder how much that Wii GoldenEye is. So I looked it up on eBay, fifteen dollars free shipping, and I was like, Hey, you know what? You know what? Uh, what Jess and I say when you see something and it's cheap, get it now because when you try to get it later, so you it's bought gonna be it real and received expensive. it in the last week. Yeah, I got it today. I got it in the mail today. Nice. So tell yeah, us about yeah, it. Is it thing. really a, a like one to one remake or no? What, they, what no. are they doing? Well, so the so basically they took the same story. Ba- you know, they did about as much Gold as Knight. they it was what. The yeah, the, the story of Goldeneye the movie. Um, they did about as much as they could. So Bond is now played by Daniel Craig, but it's all fully voiced nice. now. Like Judy Dench is in it playing M, and they have like full actors like playing 006 and. And like, uh, you know, Uramov and like all these other characters. So they, they basically, they kind of, there's basically like kind of like a little structure of the original game in there, but it's all, it's all brand new. Like you can do, you can do a lot more stuff than you could originally do, but the, the dam is there. There's a facility. I still came in through the fence. I still could shoot the guy in the toilet and all that, but now you can shoot the water of the toilet and it splashes out, which is pretty cool. Couldn't do that in wow. the other game. Real time toilet splash. Yeah. Real time toilet splash. But no, I, I think the graphics look pretty good. I mean, it's Wii, so, you know, it's a little, it, it's a little blurry, blurry when you turn and stuff like that, but I played it on my Wii U. So it was on uh so it was on like 480p or whatever the fuck that was. Um, I got it today. So I played it for like a good, like two hours before the show. I was like, wow. I'm just going to try to play Goldeneye. So I yeah I sat down and I had to get used to the Wii uh, shooting again and I went through a couple of the different uh, controls but I but I got to I had to put like a had to put like a pillow under my hand so I could hold the Wii mode up because like if you rest it it won't you know it won't be able to look at the man the Wii was such a weird system but uh, <laughs> trying to go it was back weird yeah trying to go back and play it then what's what I thought was interesting about this and you probably get a kick out of it John is it has a little icon down at the bottom of the game. That says nope. you can use it with the zapper, with the Wii zapper right there. So for oh, the nice. one for the one person who bought it, you John, uh, will be happy to see this uh, the sticker here. No, it's just it's just funny that that was that on the bottom it says compatible with with Wii zapper. Compatible with this piece of plastic that you just yeah. <laughs> also, I mean, it's good to it's good to keep in mind that this came out towards the end of Wii, so you can use all of the controllers with it. You can use the classic controller oh, if you don't want to cool. point. You can use the GameCube controller. Uh, you can use all of them, and it and also had a multiplayer uh, split screen as well. But I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a good game. And after I ordered the game, I realized that I actually already bought it on PS3. That I did already have it. So I tried to play it on PS3, and there's something wrong with my PS3 right now. It's uh, the 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 audio goes in and out, so I couldn't play it because it was because it was just like it was like and I was just like just give me a headache, and I'm like I can't do this anymore. So it might be, I looked it up, it might be something wrong with my uh, HDMI cable or whatever. Like it plays, everything plays fine, but the audio is like in and out. So it's like, I don't know. But I always liked the Wii one better because you could do more stuff with the motion control. You could kind of like, you can tilt the controller and you'll kind of like lean around walls and stuff like that while you're hiding, which is really cool. So they added some extra stuff to there. And I, and there's cool. all, there's also a classic mode in that as well where you can play it like the original game, like where you only have... 
you know, where you have to pick up like a safety vest and stuff like that. And, and you don't get your life back because they, they tried to modernize it. So it's, you know, it's basically where you can hide in a corner and you'll get your health back and that sort of thing. And you can only carry like three weapons at once, that, that sort of thing. But I think it's, I thought it was really impressive for the time. Like they did, I felt like they did a really good job, like basically break, bringing the story into a modern era or whatever. You have a little, you have a little smartphone that you use that you can scan stuff with to send it to MI6 or whatever. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of different stuff you can do on it. But also, did they put an online mode on that one? Uh, yeah, they did because right on the corner here on the on the box it says Wi-Fi. It says Nintendo Wi-Fi. So yes, you could play multiplayer online when it existed at the time. Nintendo Wi-Fi connection right there. So so yeah, so you could you could play multiplayer. I don't really remember remember that much about the multiplayer to tell you the truth, because I rented it and I played through the single player. And my save was still on my Wii U, so when I turned it on, it's like continue, and I'm like, oh wait, what? So I, so I was, I was like at the first level on hard difficulty with the classic whatever, and I got killed in about two seconds. But yeah, no, it's a. Uh, I was happy to get it, and then I was thinking about getting all these other Bond games, but I need to not. I'm like, I don't need to get all these, like, because I'm like, what about Agent Under Fire? What about Nightfire? Like, those are both GameCube games that were pretty good. And uh, or there's the other Goldeneye. There's Goldeneye Rogue Agent, which came out for GameCube, where you play a villain, where you play like a a person who actually has a golden eye that can shoot people with lasers. It's really dumb, but uh, it's it's funny. Like all all the different ways they tried to reuse the the Golden Eye whatever license. But I think EA got it after that because I think all those games were EA, like uh, like Agent Under Fire and Nightfire and Goldeneye so. Rogue Agent, and I think all of those were under that. But I think um I don't know. I think this game's pretty good for uh it's it's like a, it's weird to play a wii game like you you shake the nunchuck to hit people with your gun like it's uh, i don't know it's it's a whole nother world man i forgot about how we how we works although you know you gotta shake your controller to All have like waggles. have like people like there's a part where you're in a truck where somebody like attacks you and you, you gotta shake the controller to knock them off the truck and it's got all that waggle shit in there but it's been fun. I played through like the first three or four levels. It's got like a full uh, a full video opening GoldenEye song. Not Tina Turner. They couldn't get her for that. But they got somebody to sing the version that Tina Turner did, written by Bono and Edge. That's in the in the, in the credits there. So nice. It's pretty cool. Because yeah, you start uh you you're in the dam, and uh, Bond gets caught. You know, gets caught by the by the Russians or whatever. And he takes his uh, parachute and he opens his parachute out them out at them, and they all get caught in it. And he jumps off the side. And as he jumps off the side, his face like is falling towards the camera, and then the camera goes into his eyeball, and then it starts the opening golden eye thing. It's pretty cool. I don't know. I think it's a good game. It's like the beginning of Inner Space. No, no. It's like <laughs> maybe I don't know. I watched Inner Space not that long ago. But yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I got I got all the golden eyes, or I got just got the other golden eye. But um. I guess we can. Did anybody else want to say anything else about the other about any of the golden eyes here? I think it's I keep coming back to it's it. cool. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good to have. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad it's there. I mean, like I said, I've it got doesn't... no qualms with this being on my Switch available to play whatever I want. And it's now we can know. move on to begging for something else. Yep, uh, the world is not enough. Put it on there. It's a good game. Put it. Put it on there. I'm just saying, and, as and far as like, yeah, as far as like Holy Grail in 64 games, it's really just Conquer left now. Perfect Dark. I want Perfect Dark on there. Maybe a Jet Force Gemini. Ah, that game sucks. At least I thought it sucked when it came out. It's not great. Yeah, I thought it was bad even when it came out. But it looks cool. Yeah. I'd try it again, you know, just to see how long it takes for me to realize it's not good. Yeah, Perfect Perfect Dark would be amazing. Because I bet they could make it run really smooth. Yeah, no, uh, Perfect Dark would... first time ever. Perfect Dark, yeah. 
Yeah, because, well, supposedly the frame rate is higher on this than it was originally on the 64 as well, which is I great on GoldenEye. I watched um, Switch Up. They watch a ton of their reviews. They do a lot of cool stuff. And uh, they did, like, a breakdown of it. And they said, like, the what the lowest frame rate on the Switch version is about as high as the frame rate got on the 64. So so you got that. <laughs> you got that going for you. But um, I have I have a ton of notes here, but... John, you have a ton of notes too. Do you want to? Why don't you? Why don't we just switch to you and you can talk about Hitman for a while here? Because I know there's a big sure. thing that happened with that, right? Yeah, Freelancer came out, and uh, I, man, I'm blown away all over again. I'm I'm totally sucked back into Hitman once again. Uh, basically, it's the same like amazing levels that I've come to know and love, but it's through a different style, and it's a roguelike. So you'll start by selecting a campaign, which lasts like uh, three to four missions. And that culminates in a final mission where you don't know who your target is and you got to do some detective work to track them down. And so there's no saving. There's no do-overs. Everything is permanent. It's high risk and high reward, as the developers have said. And I find that it's really, really effective. Um, Your weapons... Uh, a big change is that they're they're given up like very sparingly, uh, and that ups the and also they have to be accumulated from mission to mission. It's not like you know, in, a, in a typical game you can you have a whole slate of weapons that you can choose from, and and then you're off and running. This you don't even have your your trademark silencer, like that's sort of the one hitman weapon that everybody knows is that silencer, and, and yeah, it, it makes the game a lot easier when you have it because you can take everybody out very quietly and you can knock out cameras and not be noticed but so far I've, I've been playing freelancer for i don't know at least 10 hours maybe maybe even close to 20 hours and i've not encountered the silencer yet and i love that i love that it's making me play it differently and the whole thing of like bringing your getting your weapons accumulated from mission to mission and it it, it just like up it increases the tension that's the primary result it increases the tension by you know whatever you have when you die you lose and so you're very careful about picking your weapons for each mission uh, making sure it's the correct one you know that's going to get the job done otherwise you know this thing that you took you forever to get you could be gone but you're also mo- more motivated to collect the weapons as you play so you can build your arsenal at home and this you know makes their losses more devastating and the wins more thrilling the, the the big effect that it has on me this 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 permanence or semi permanence that this mode has is that I find that I'd never goof off, which is a that's a huge change from the original game because you can start you know get tempted to just do something just for just for kicks or whatever, and you you know end up blowing your whole mission. But whatever, I'll just you know start it again. There's no real cost to it. Typically, this there's a cost, and so I don't I don't goof around in this one. It, it just keeps that tension level really high. So if you fail a mission, the enemies in the next mission, they're going to be alerted to your presence. You, you don't lose outright, but the next mission is going to be made much harder. If you lose two missions, then you fail the campaign. But this whole aspect, it makes the freelancer like an ideal, I'd say, complementary mode to the normal campaign. Because, you know, that like if, if I want to goof around, I'll play the normal campaign. If I feel like being seri- a serious, Hitman player, I'll I'll go do freelancer. Yeah, what do you guys think so far? Like, does this sound appealing to you? Sounds complicated. Well, I actually played a little bit of it. Um, you did. 
Yes, but I only played one round of the uh, of the. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. What's the mode called again? Freelancer. Freelancer. Yeah, freelancer. I played one round of freelancer, and uh, I re- I thought it was really cool. It's like you're saying. It's like turning it into uh, yeah, roguelike, and it makes it feel more like um, it makes it feel more like you've got a lot of little random games you can play instead of just like focusing on the mission. So I still haven't played enough of the main game to really know what I'm doing. So I figured I'd just boot it up, see what happens. First mission. I uh I start out on like I think I'm flying a kite or something at the beginning and then you know I'm blending in and then I get out and then I like I start pushing people off the edge because I always goof around and like I got arrested pretty fast or you know I got killed pretty fast and then they're like the ne- the, the the enemy's on high alert yeah I, I died so fast but I still thought it was cool I mean it really does it does a great job as far as I can tell it yeah it just remixes the content in a in a somewhat random way. I don't know if the missions are random. Like, so like, for instance, I was like, I remember there was a mission where I was listening to two cooks talking to each other. One of them heads back into the restaurant and the other one's still standing there and you can uh, knock him out and steal his uniform, but you want to wait until the other one leaves. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's kind of like just one of the missions you might get, or if that's like something that was randomly created or one of the potential possibilities of like, something you'll experience. So I don't know what all is randomized, but it did feel more like a living, breathing world, knowing that there was more at stake, you know, like I really could fuck up. Right. Like more so than just restarting the mission. Like I, I might lose. And I did. I lost. Yeah. Then when you've invested, uh, you know, if, if you've gotten say two or three missions into a campaign, you've probably spent maybe an hour and a half on this yeah. working towards something. And so oh, it just boy. feels like, oh, uh, you know, it's it's not so devastating, not so much time that you like you want to shut the game off and never play again, but it's just enough to be like, yeah, I don't want to mess this up. You know, I, I had an interesting experience today where I was doing really, uh, really well. And then um, there's these challenges that you can do for extra, turn extra money. And I just thought I was going to get one of these challenges done, which I had to kill the person. Uh, with 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 a gun and not miss and this person was just standing right in the middle of crowd the whole Mm -hmm. time i I could not figure out a way to just like do this from afar or or any other way but just running up to the guy shooting him in the back and then running for the exit the exit was like the exit was right there so I I, i got a pretty good chance maybe there's another way but I was trying to get ready for the for the show and I was like, I want to do this quick. So I'm just going to shoot this guy in the back. I'm going to run for the exit. And this is after about 40 minutes of playing this particular mission. I did that. I shot him in the back. I ran, 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 ran. I hear the guards chasing after me. I see the gate right there about 20 feet away. There's a car right there. And I know if I can just get around this car, I'd be out of the way of the bullets. I got to the corner, the back corner of the car. I got shot dead. I can see the exit right there. Like, ah, 40 minutes done. Okay, but, but I I kind of laughed. You know, it was like it was it was funny. Um, it wasn't like oh, I would never want to play this again. It was just so. Is there any persistence what? in the freelancer mode? Like, does anything carry over as far as your like your hub area or anything like that, or does it literally reset each time? Oh, uh, as far as the so because it will say like mission failed, but you'll still be in this. Like, it'll be like 
but you can try a new mission now, except a new mission. Like it doesn't completely reboot, I guess, as far as the UI is concerned or whatever, you know, how they choose to set it up. So my question is, is there anything persistent? Like, even though you fail, maybe something still carries over in a way. So if you fail the, if you fail the mission, whatever campaign you choose, yeah. if you fail the whole campaign, yeah, um, you could, the real punishment is that you, you lose all your weapons that you had on, on with okay. you. Right. I, I guess that's the permanent thing that carries over. It's a permanent negative consequence. So there's only permanent negative and not positive. The positives are that you gain XP with everything that you do. So even though like I failed a campaign today, I still gained a certain amount of XP. It wasn't as much as if I had won, but when I failed the campaign, I came back and it was just enough to get me to the next XP level, which unlocked a couple more rooms in the house. Okay. The house, the house that you have is you start out basically in the basement and everything else is restricted. And you see, you can walk around to go to different doors and the door says, Oh, you need to be at this level XP to enter. And, uh, it's a real good incentive, the, the whole house, because it's actually like a fun kind of place to explore. And so it kind of sounds like that's and, that's sort of what you're unlocking is like access. That's what cars. you're unlocking. You're you're, okay. you're moving into your your fancy hitman mansion. It's like Animal Crossing but mansion with killing deadly. And you can. Yeah. It's you, literally the world of assassination. I was thinking, like, I don't want to live in that world. Mm-hmm. Like, could you imagine if you're like living in this world? It's called World of Assassination. I'm like. The life expectancy is very low here. I don't yeah. know how to live here. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing. I was just thinking about that as I finished up this last round. Is like the game does a good job of showing how lonely his life is. And yeah, I, I think about the moral implications of this game. Like you're running around killing people, and like, is this something that's like, is this obviously sending a good message or whatever? Affect him, right? Because he keeps going. <laughs> he keeps going, but. The pervading sense when you're at home in your hitman mansion, getting all your fancy stuff, and what, you're just like alone, yeah. and and everything from the the lighting to the music and all that, it all plays toward toward the sense of being alone, and your whole life is just about being a hitman. You have this in, in your basement. There's this giant world map of all your missions, and there's your display of all your guns and your weapons, and this guy's got such a lonely life, and I. I it was an unexpected aspect that this freelancer mode adds to to color out the life of the hitman. What's he not doing? What, what's, what's he doing when he's not on his mission? Well, turns out not much. I mean, he's got some nice furniture, and but then he's like thinking about, you know, where is he going to go next? Who's he going to kill next? And does he really care about? Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't care about that furniture. He would die behind it and let it be riddled with bullets if necessary. Right. He could buy another right. one from whatever he's done. I mean, does, isn't he kind of like devoid of personality too? Like, isn't it, or like sort of like he's supposed to kind of be like a blank template so he can become whoever when he puts on whatever costume as well, right? He, he is, character. and the the voice actor gives a really good performance to where it's not like it's not a, you know a wooden delivery, but his his character is just kind of a yeah you know, he he is a blank slate, like and he delivers that with with the voice acting uh, uh, very well conveys that. That's what I'm saying. As as part I mean, of his like has uh, a sadness, barcode on the back of his neck. Yeah, right. as part right. of his sadness. Well, he's like supposed to be like this person that can dress up like anything. So he's kind of like alone in that way. You know, he doesn't really have the other aspirations that, uh, or anything. The other thing that that sort of accentuates that aloneness is like when you're 
in transition from the house to the missions it'll play these little animations or or vice versa when you're coming back from the missions it's just him like alone in his car driving down the road as the game is is loading or if you um there was one that he's on a private plane and like he's just he's like sitting this huge this huge like hangar like yeah. obviously meant to carry cargo or like lots of mm. soldiers or whatever and he's just sitting by himself in this by himself open area yeah and and he's just, just like, like staring off into space like getting motivated or whatever maybe thinking about mm-hmm. i don't know what he thinks about put it squares or something or when you've failed i don't know you might, you might have seen something like this when you failed your mission jeremy but like i saw one where he was just in a he was walking he was sort of like i, I just got killed and so i was he, the animation of him coming back home he was huddling over uh, struggling to get through this like empty parking lot leaning against the wall and blood was being smeared against the wall and you know and then it transitioned to me being at home all these funny uh, uh, not funny haha but but interesting little vignettes of him just being alone and yeah trudging back home in defeat ain't that the life of a bachelor <laughs> yep now, do you do you have Hitman Three, Jeremy? Or do you just have one? I do. I have it on PS4. You have three. Well, I knew you had one on PS4 because I was yeah. Sure. I bought it. So when John bought us the copies, uh, I had our. I think I already owned Hitman Three at that point because I bought it. Oh, okay. On some like sales last summer, maybe. Mm-hmm. I've had it for a while. I just haven't gotten to it because I've been playing so much else. But yeah, I've got it like just sitting there, and I played from time to time. But I mean, it looks fantastic. It's a great looking game. So the other big bit of news that goes along with this is that Hitman 3 has become Hitman World of Assassination. Yeah. And if you have Hitman 3, supposedly you earned all of a sudden all the previous levels, all the DLC. You've got the whole package. That's cool. I I scrolled through it. Yeah, it's all there. That's cool. It's a huge, huge amount of content, and it's Mm -hmm. on sale right now for $38. Uh, yeah, I spent three hundred dollars on this content. And you're going to get it for thirty eight dollars if you want to get it now. That's how it works. <laughs> Early adopters uh, paying the most for it, and then goes down later. So but... I, want, I also wanted to mention about the final the final act of each campaign. It's so different from the other. Have you successfully missions. gotten through a, a campaign yet? I have. It's challenging. It took me, I think, five times. It's it's a legit challenge. It's, it's not so frustrating or whatever that you don't want to do it anymore but it's just like a perfect I if think, you level choose of, the same like uh syndicate is it the same levels or how does that work or is it randomized each time if you choose the the same say, wait say it again syndicate isn't that what you're like going after like the different syndicates yeah you're going after the different syndicates like one is you know a, a big pharma you know group or you know one is this group or that group um it can i think it's different I'm not. I'm not sure. Like you, I'm not sure exactly how it's randomized. But well, I know each that of this your is five campaigns where, different. Each of my five right? campaigns okay. were were different. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Until I finally won one, and so the the final uh, mission of each campaign is very well done. It's reminiscent of a level that that was in uh, Hitman Three. There's one level late in the game where you don't know your target. You have to track them down. Basically, they've taken that nugget of an idea and blown it out to be the end of every campaign. Uh, you arrive knowing very little about your your target. You don't know who, who it is, but you have a set of identifying characteristics. This person has black hair. This person likes to smoke. 
this person, you know, X, Y, Z. And so you have, um, when you're using your Hitman sense, your Spidey sense, whatever you want to call it, you can see everybody in the level and you'll see that some people are marked in purple. These people are the possible suspects. So you have to walk around the whole level and uh, watch these people with your camera. You've got a special Hitman camera. And as you're watching them, you can tag these people as, you know, oh, wait, I don't think he's a suspect. After all, he doesn't have black hair. Or I think this guy is the prime suspect. And it's up to you to like make that final call after this probably two hours of trying to do this campaign. It all comes down to you just being absolutely sure that this is the that this is the target. And then you gotta pull the trigger or choke him out or however you want to take him out. It's always kind of like it's 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 a risk. It's a big risk. You gotta be certain. But it asks you to it's never gonna tell you that this is for sure the guy. It's up to you. And you're risking the last two hours that you spent. So I think it's I think it's just really well done um, how they play with your attention throughout each campaign. Um, these guys are are pros, and, and I'm still floored by this game. Two years on, yeah, they keep adding. It's it's cool that they keep adding stuff to it. It's like a game as a service, right? Just keep uh, keep building yeah. and building on it. That's right. Yeah, and this the whole other aspect of like you know you're you're your reward of you know doing this campaign is is you get to take home your cool weapons you get to uh decorate your your house and your house keeps your access to the house keeps growing um so let's say you complete like, the first mission you have all the weapons or whatever yep can you put everything into your like inventory and then go in like with no no loadout and then lose the, you know, lose or whatever, and then the weapons stay. You know what I mean? Like, could you... Yes. So you technically could be like, well, this level has a great weapon that I want, and I'm just going to flub it just to put it in my inventory for, like, the next campaign I try. So uh, if you if you, if you you lose it, whatever whatever is on you, you don't get to take it home. But don't you, but like, if you... stash it? Can you stash it in your... Uh, artillery at home and then not take it with you when correct you to a new level and then correct. it stay, is it persistently stays there even if you like it persistently stays there yeah you never like get your house wiped out for losing a campaign so you could technically like if there's a level that has a weapon you really like you could purposefully fail it fail the campaign just to start with that in your initial loadout or have it save for a particularly tough campaign you might have where you're like well i'm gonna grab that weapon because i stashed that in that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Fact, so there is, there might be technically some strategy in, in the losing. Like maybe not, but maybe mm -hmm. that could be a play style potentially. You could. And there's a lot of strategy uh, to planning the missions. Yeah. Too, because you're going to get at the start of the mission a, a rundown of what you're supposed to do, and if your if your challenge uh, where you get your bonus money is to use a, an emetic poison then you're going to run through your stash and say oh do i have an emetic poison i'm going to bring that and when you pack for your trip each item has a point value uh, to represent the size of the item and you can only go over up, up to a certain value you start out with you know six points of packing space and maybe that's like just one point the suitcase in resident evil 4 where you that's correct you yeah to, like make it fit yeah so there's a lot of thought and strategy and then you're going to go to leave and right by where you leave is your your wardrobe where you pick your outfit and like the whole end effect is they just like 
done a really good job of sort of coloring out this this guy's experience you know before you, you were just there all of a sudden at the mission to do the job but now you're you're thinking and strategizing before you even get to the job or even you're thinking and strategizing about what job you want to do so i just think that's really they've added something that i didn't know was missing from the game and and i'm really really enjoying it i think like i i am actually like a fan of how they're handling this license like they're like this update being free especially mm-hmm. I, I know you put a lot of money into it and all that but like giving that sort of value to anybody who wants to you know play this game now like it's just really cool it's like they could be totally gatekeepy and make you have to buy all the uh, expansions and stuff but instead they're just like no we want this game to be I mean, I think it's really them putting their cards into it being a games as a service for sure. But still, at the same time, it's impressive what they've done as a free update. It's a it's a very significant update, and you know, among all the DLC that I've ever downloaded, this is one of the most substantial. And you and you didn't even really have to download it, right? Because it's all uh, cloud. It's all cloud, right? Yeah, <laughs> so you didn't even really have to download anything. That was something I, I wish we would have mentioned uh, last week when we talked about the Switch successor or whatever. I think the Switch successor should give us all native ports of the cloud games that we've bought on the previous yeah. yep. Switch. We should, get the na- we should get the native ports for the new system for free. That's what I think. They should give us something for us cloud people who, uh, who buy cloud games and play them over the cloud. Like, I mean, John's definitely the cloud king, but I played... Uh, the cloudiest. But I played a good amount of... Uh, the a village on uh, on cloud, so you play quite a bit of control as well. So I've been there. I did, but I played more village than control. But uh, why don't why don't we take a break and then we'll come back and talk about more games that we've been. Sounds playing. good to me. you it's me mario yeah you <laughs> subscribe to our patreon to hear our bonus shows which happen every month i'm a tired tired of all the big corporate podcasts spoon feeding you the same old video game news on every single show ah spaghetti ah ravioli then expand Nintendo main expansion pack. It's us talking about old games that were important to us. It's us interviewing people that we meet at conventions. And heck, it's live shows from those same conventions. It's basically everything you could want that Nintendo main ever made. Here we go! And it's just a buck a month. That's less than a bad indie on the eShop. It's $12 a year, which is less than Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon and supporting Nintendo main. Just go to patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast and hey, Mario, let go. He's throwing us back to the show. 
so long, eh, Bowser? Ah! Ah, Patreon.com slash Podcast. Game over. from break and uh oh yeah john you had something more one more thing you want to say about the hitman yeah one uh not not about hitman but i got one more thing this week so my friend uh rich was gonna come stay over the other night and i realized well i don't even have like a blanket or pillows or anything for him so i went to target and, and i was like well i do i want to get like a, a pillow that i'm gonna use like one or two times or whatever maybe i should get like an actual throw pillow for the couch and i went to the throw pillows and all the throw pillows were ugly so instead, I went over to the video game section and I got these bomb pillows. Oh, those are awesome! They look almost like squishmallows. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really cool. cool. They're giant bombs, and they make perfect uh, throw pillows for my couch. There you go. So, those are badass. They are badass. I'm glad that you've upgraded your um your your guest etiquette because I stayed at your house one time and you gave me you only gave me a towel to sleep with on the couch. So. I don't know if you I remember that. that when you lived over by Wrigley. Uh, I, I just got a, I just got like a shower towel. <laughs> so I was just like, you should know John's our resident minimalist. <laughs> yep. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So it's like, uh, I mean, I had to sleep <laughs> on the floor one time at a, at a director's house for a shoot. So I didn't even have a, I didn't even have a blanket or, or a pillow for that. That towel's looking pretty good when you think about that, huh? Yeah. And if you like, I just thought it was funny. Night, you got a towel already. I just thought it was funny that you're like, here's a towel. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, so you got that. Yeah, that's why my head's exploding because I use those as pillows now. Oh, geez, sounds. It uh, seems risky. Sounds dangerous. You have a game that I'm very interested in, Jeremy. Why don't you talk about it on your list? Yeah, uh, Elden Ring. I'm still playing that. Um, <laughs> it's not that one, but yeah, no, you can talk about that one too. <laughs> no, it's cool. Yeah, I just wanted to let everybody know I'm at the final boss in Elden Ring, and I want to take another break because it's not necessarily that the boss is hard. Yeah, you know, don't get me wrong, the boss is hard. But the boss is really, really, what's the word I'm looking for? It's Difficult. like, uh, sucky. It's just, uh, it's time consuming, tedious. There we go. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. Very tedious because it's this gigantic arena. You fight like a boss and then you fight another boss. So you always have to fight two. You know, that's, it's kind of set up like that. The first boss is pretty hard, uh, and will kill you if you're not careful. So I've gotten one shotted by that boss. Every time I've used like my rune arcs, which are a limited amount of things that you have that you can use that uh, activate your rune, whatever. People who play will know what I'm talking about, but it's a limited amount of uses. And so I'm like, should I use them? Well, I'm at the final boss. Now's the time to use them. I have 30 something of them. I've been saving them the whole game. And uh, every time I use one, I get killed immediately. Like I've never gotten to the second phase with a rune arc activated because. It's almost like I go in there with too much pressure on me and then I get killed. I even like brought in, uh, I finally like asked for help 
and summoned actual real world people to come help me and they died right away. Oh jeez. Or I would die right away. They didn't even help. So I got online and I was like, well, what's the easiest way to beat this boss? There's no easy way. It's just a really long, tedious battle, no matter what you do. You can't use your horse, by the way. The horse is a thing they give you in the game that makes these giant arena battles like actually kind of fun because you're just balancing like an extra element of like transport while you're you're going around it. You can actually like your horse can get killed and you have to heal it and stuff. So you know, that part's a little tedious, but still, I would rather have the horse than not have the horse for this final battle. So um, it's really dumb. They don't let you use that. And as a result, I'm just like, I'll get really far. And I've gotten him down to about a third or them, whatever. It's like a beast. So like a third of their energy. And then they'll like one shot me because they just they get into like different modes as you deplete their energy. And so they get into this mode where they can kill you immediately if you don't do just the right thing to dodge it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm at level 200. I'm at wow. really high level. And, uh, I've put all my resources into faith and uh, faith being like the build that you can use certain magic with, like the dragon-based magic. That's the way I've chosen to play. And even with all that, I'm just having a... An annoying time. I say I would call it more annoying than hard. So I uh, I'm taking a break from it. I'm I'm still going to try to beat it soon, but my big goal was to beat it during January because I was doing dry January and I knew I would have more time on my hands to just kind of like be twiddling my thumbs. Now you're in wet February. I'm in wet February <laughs> now, officially. Yes, uh, but I really, you know, one of my goals unofficially was to finish it by the end of January. So the fact that I got to the last boss. I still feel pretty good about that. Like Elder Ring's just a stone's throw f- away from me completing it. In the meantime, I can still do a bunch of side missions and stuff. So I think I'm just going to focus on that whenever I play it. But uh, for now, I just I want to play this other game I got, which is uh, another copy of Elden Ring. On no, I'm just kidding. Which is called Elden Echoes. Chain no, Ring. I got, yeah. On on the subject of uh. Elden Ring boss, like from what I've heard from podcasts that I listen to, a lot of people didn't like that last boss for whatever reason. I don't know. They said it was different from the other bosses in the game. Maybe because you don't have the horse or whatever. But I heard a it lot is. Of, it's bad. I heard a it's lot of dumb. people not like it or say it was tedious and boring, and that it yep. just that it was tedious, way it, uh, worse than anything else. The enemy has no weaknesses, like except for physical. So it's kind of shitty that they make its only weakness physical when you have to chase it all over the place, like. If you don't like boost, you have to use certain talismans and like other things and uh, spells to boost your stamina. If you don't do that, then you're fucked because you're just not going to be able to chase this motherfucker down. Uh-huh. And whenever he gets a certain distance from you, you know, it can take you out one shot with these giant AOE spell effects. So I, uh, I don't know. I, I, I want to beat it. I'm going to. And I said, you know, like I said, I got him down to a third of the energy. So I will eventually beat it. It's probably going to be more, you know, it'll be luck and skill combined in the perfect amount (laughs) because there is some randomosity to how the attacks work and stuff. And uh, I've watched different videos that recommend different summons. I've just been using my mimic tier, which is a copy of myself as my summon. But some people suggest using like an archer or something that can like be off in the distance, you know, giving status effects and, uh, but the, the difference with that is it doesn't draw the uh, aggro away from you, so it changes the battle to where you have to be up close and using like your shield and stuff, which I'm no good at. So 
whatever. Eldering. I'll beat it. <laughs> This year, I swear to God, I'm going to beat it this year at the last boss. For when you're saying a little bit on the uh, stuff that you have to do to uh, the runes or whatever, kind of reminds me a little bit of Monster Hunter. Because like in, the, in in any of the it's sun, very much like Monster in, Hunter. in the Sunbreak stuff. Like when you get to the point of Sunbreak, you have to use all of the like extra like the like the ammo boost and the life boost and all, and if you don't, you will get killed. Like that's mm-hmm. a big thing about later Monster Hunter stuff is you have to actually do use all the spells to like give you the extra shit because so I actually everything's have my, so hard that you'll just get knocked right out. That's just reminded me of that. My hot bar, if that's what you want to call it, the thing I have to cycle through is an order of what I need to do. One, summon my guy. Two, heal myself because it takes away energy when I use the summon. Three, it's the uh, the the uh, uh, holy divine thing that makes me more resistant to holy damage. Then four, I use this other blessing that gives me like... Uh, higher stamina or something so it's like it's this whole series of things i have to do while dodging the enemy and hoping he doesn't aggro me as long as my other character you know the summon that i do like takes the aggro away then i can do all these buffs and that's when i can get to you know the second phase towards the end but if if i don't do that right i just get one shot and like or you know sometimes you summon the guy he doesn't aggro he doesn't, the bad guy doesn't care just comes up on you just until you're dead smash 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 and you're gone Mm. um ouch yeah i mean that's the nature of these souls games and i played other bosses in the game and i don't think it's i think if it weren't for the giant arena and the lack of the horse this would be an easy boss and i think it's dumb that the final boss is adding that stuff so yes i agree with whomever you may have heard but anyway moving on from that I wanted to play a JRPG that wasn't Yakuza uh, like a dragon because I'm also taking a break from that. I haven't played that at all this week, actually. I I, I watched the um I watched uh, Donkey talk about it, and he was totally mentioned about how long the cutscenes are. I never thought they were that long when I played it, but well, you didn't I play guess, as far uh, as I did. I don't think. No, I played farther than you did. I thought. I mean, I don't I don't know where you're at, but I I put a good. I length. played farther than both of y'all. I, I thought I put at least a good 30, 40 hours into it. Okay. I mean, maybe you did, but I fell asleep twice, so. I never fell asleep. Amounts though. of sleeps. <laughs> but I did play anyway, a freaking amount. let's talk about the game you really want to hear me talk about. Yes. And that is I what I played of Hitman Freelancer. So I'm going to kind of say what I said. No. I've got all the, I'm doing all these like turns. Um, but really, I'm going to talk about Chained Echoes. Anyway, let's I talk about Kazuya. No. <laughs> I purchased Chained Echoes uh, two or three nights ago, so I haven't had it for very long. But it was kind of like at a moment of frustration at Elden Ring. Because I was telling myself, I'm going to beat this before I buy Chain Echoes. But I really want to play Chain Echoes. Finally, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to buy it anyway. So I'm going to buy it now. That's That was my rationale. Sure. It's a, it's a flawed and it, it kind of reveals how bad my willpower is. But that's what happened. So I was like, I'm going to buy it anyway. So I'm going to buy it now. You need to do what I do and uh, buy it, but then not play it until you beat Elden Ring. I'm uh, kidding. Just play whatever you want to play. But that's what I did with Persona. I uh, I was like, not until I beat Xenoblade, but I bought Persona and just let it sit on my system until I beat Xenoblade. So I had willpower for that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just knowing like um, that my gripes are not unique with this final boss, I don't feel bad taking a break. Anyway, whatever uh, mental gymnastics I needed to do, I bought Chained Echoes, and I like it. It's a great game. I recommend I heard it's well, very good. You probably wouldn't like it, John, because it really is like to a T a classic RPG. But mm. um, that being said, it's it's what you've heard. It's a uh, it's like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI combined. 
and it even has like homages to like certain story elements or like names even like there's a character named glenn uh, there's a princess who's in disguise you know oh, okay. the game starts with like a uh, a festival celebrating a, an anniversary of something, you know, like kind of like the beginning of Chrono Trigger, mm-hmm. and there's like little games you can play and stuff. So it's it's a lot like that, but at the same time, it's like Final Fantasy VI because you just keep like moving all around in these different characters, and that's why I said uh, multi-party madness because just in the first hour of playing the game, I played as like I think nine or ten different characters. Oh wow! But they were in these different parties that would just randomly like, okay, you complete the story objective for this, bam! Now you're all of a sudden you're like immediately like it's almost like the the, the camera just goes down here all of a sudden. Now you're controlling these other characters, but it's pretty cool. Um, one reason I think you'd like it, Trey, is it doesn't have experience points in the traditional since yeah it has some I, i've heard i've heard them talk a, a good amount of it on axe of the blood god i yeah. also heard they they said that it has some gundam influence in there so i was definitely interested in that because i know there's mechs in there so yeah i don't know much about that other than yeah i have seen the mechs but um the way you upgrade is character to character but it's based on i don't know like i don't completely understand it but the the closest i could describe it is it's a little bit like Think about the the Paper Mario on N64 where they really like, you know, you're taking away one hit point and you're getting one, one experience. You know, it's like oh, really yeah, well, small you pick, amounts. You pick whatever you get, yeah. But it's also also like the numbers are ridiculously small because you're not like dealing with like, you know, the beginning of Final Fantasy VI where you're hitting someone, it's 242 damage and the next time it's like 162. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in this, it's like you're either hitting for one or you're hitting for two initially. Hmm. And, uh, it does eventually like change. Or, no, I guess I take it back. The way you hit isn't like that, but the experience and stuff is like that, where you're just getting like single points and or you're maybe two points if you beat a boss. And uh, mostly, like uh, I've just been trying to make my characters have more uh, like higher uh, attack and higher health, which is an option. You can either choose, and I think it's like an active skill, a passive skill or a stat boost and that's your like three categories when you level up and it's literally a lot like when you choose you know like i said like in uh paper mario or even the original mario rpg where you like choose which of the three you upgrade and so it's the same in that regard except it's like either an active skill which is you know you usually an attack but it can also be like a healing or a buff or a debuff the passive skill as uh you know implied it's something that you cast that's uh, a mechanic that will uh, um, like boost you or, you know, whatever. It's a buff. And then, or it's a healing or whatever. And then the last one is the, uh, is, is, is a straight up like stat boosting that you would get in a normal RPG if you were like playing with experience points and all that. But it's, uh, it's pretty cool. But yeah, so far I've just been focusing on the, uh, exp- you know, raising the stats because that's what I like to do. I, w- I just want my characters to be stronger because the average enemy you fight will still take forever. I-, I think I wrote in here. It's like even just the average enemies initially are like damage sponges. Like you're fighting this little tiny like slime or whatever, but you're like hitting it with all, all you got. It still takes like five or six rounds to kill it. And uh, it- especially when you get to the bosses, like you're, you're really going to be sinking some time in there. But one cool thing, another cool thing is that it resets your, uh, it takes away, as far as I can tell, it takes away all your status effects and it completely heals you after every battle. 
So you completely heal and you completely gain back all your uh, whatever the version of magic points are. I can't remember what they're called in this, but you get you, you, you get it all back. After, so after you battle? It, yeah, so you're always... So it's like Xenoblade. Yeah. Right, so, so you're always like, use, use everything in your arsenal. Don't save anything. Like, use your strong shit out the door. Drain your magic pool. Use your items if you have to to get through the battle, but ultimately, if you want to grind, it's not even grinding, but you know, because you can actually see the enemies, so like you can avoid them if you want. But to get through the battles quickly, that's what you got to do. So uh, um, that's why I just kind of focused on uh, increasing like my um, attack and stuff because I want to get through the, all those battles faster. <laughs> so that yeah, that's what I've been doing. Um, I'm not terribly far into it, but I think I'm finally at a point where I might be for like it's the first time where I was playing like as one party and then they met another party i'd previously played you know mm. and then those parties combined so that's where i'm at right now i just fought a boss so like uh, okay so i want to mention like why this reminds me so much of final fantasy 6 it's it's like a it's kind of like dragon quest 4 also is what i was thinking yeah where one you, of the first enemies you start I with fought, the different parties and they all come together one of the first like you might call it like a mid boss or whatever that i fought that was like an actual like took a while to beat uh was a sandworm Okay, I've faced these sandworms before. What do you think its attacks are? Earthquake. Dig. Just like Final Fantasy VI, Earthquake. Oh, yeah. Just like Final Fantasy VI, it's weak to water. So, like, just using my normal, like, like my intuition based on playing that, I immediately knew what to do. I guess having, having advantage. Yeah. So, because of that, like, that's why I'm saying like the nods are cool because they're consistent. And and then I ended up fighting a kraken, which looks so much like Ultros. Or Final Fantasy VI, but oh, yeah, talk to me. But yeah, you totally have to like run away from a kraken at one point and fight it, and you know fight each individual like tentacle, and one like heals, and one like you know they all do like different things. They all have different names as tentacles, and do they of course knock you want to kill one hit like fucking dude did. In no, six. I will definitely say it's been forgiving with uh, how hard enemies hit. Like as long as you're paying attention to your. Uh, numbers you're okay and oh there's one more thing uh so everything ex- like all actions you do including items whatever uh count towards this meter and it, it it's basically your dr- i think it's called your drive meter and uh it's separate from like your uh ultra attack meter and all that like it's its own thing and the idea is that for each action you increase this meter and then there's like a sweet spot in the middle of it that you're trying to stay in that's called overdrive you want to stay in there because that's where you're uh, getting your op. Like, I think you hit harder. So you hit twice as hard and you take half as much damage when you're in the uh, overdrive meter. But you keep using your best attacks, your hardest attacks. That accelerates the meter until you get to the overheat at the far right. It's almost like Excite Bike. Like when you use, the, you use your uh, boost for too long. And then it gets into the red, and if you keep pushing it, you stall out. It's the same thing, where you push it out too far to the into the red, and then you're just like getting hit for all this damage. Like the enemies are hurting you, and your your attacks aren't hitting for much damage. So it forces you to defend because defend is one of the things that takes the meter back to the left. So it forces you to play in that way where you're not all offensive. Like you have to be defensive, otherwise. You're going to die. Yeah. You literally have to be defensive to bring the meter down. You also like there's certain 
as far as I can tell, and I don't 100% understand it yet, there's certain attacks and skills, depending on the enemy you're fighting, that will also contribute to that decreasing. So using those specific things will help you out as well. But mainly from what I've learned, even like healing, anything like that you would normally do during a lull in a battle, like think of like in Final Fantasy VI, the first boss you fight, like recedes into his shell. You're not supposed to hit him while he's in his shell. So during that time, you like heal and stuff, right? Or mm-hmm. you buff or whatever. True. Well, in this, <laughs> you can heal and stuff, but it keeps increasing your meter. You have to like rest or use specific thingies to reduce the, the thingies. So I think that's a really cool element they threw in there that's pretty fun. Like it just keeps you on your toes. You're not just hitting A over and over. You know what I mean? Like yeah, if your yeah. party is There's really actually strong, like some. The, the, there's some extra stuff to the battle system, is it? And I've I've heard them uh, people mention that before as well, and it sounds like a cool thing. I like how you said you use the things to reduce the things. Also, that's whatever. <laughs> you knew what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I know. everyone knew what I meant. Uh, I I said bonus points. Uh, there's a there's an event in the the fair kind of area, the Millennial Fair esque Chrono Trigger ish area, which all the characters kind of look like Chrono Trigger. They got that. Uh, uh, the Kiri Toriyama tall, look. Like, yeah, the Toriyama like tall, skinny look. That w- big, big hair. You know, mo- right. Most characters were chibi on the SNES, but Chrono Trigger actually did like a, a combination of realistic and chibi. But um, I, I forgot what I was saying. Oh no, I'm excited the about the fair. Oh, you, you were talking about the fair and the- oh yeah. So in the fair, yeah. one of the events is a turtle race where there's four turtles racing. You bid on which one. You have like a certain currency that's just for the fair, so that's like Chrono Trigger, um, where you bet your silver points and then you win if you guess correctly out of the four turtles. While the turtles are like running the race after you guess, it plays some weird metal song with vocals. Like hmm. I have no idea what it is, but it's hilarious because it's I have to it's find like it. the turtles are singing. Um, little a little spoiler: you will eventually learn. You can talk to the turtles before the race and figure out who's going to win based on what they say. Oh, well, but, that's, that's, I mean, that's a Majora's Mask thing, though. Yeah, I don't want to know what that anything. is. Because that's how you, that's how you win the, uh, the dog race in Majora's Mask. You have to talk to the dogs and they'll yeah. tell you who's, who's, uh, going to win. But you have to talk to them as the character they like and not as the one they hate, right? No, I mean, you, it's one of the masks. I think it's the truth mask. Yeah. You can talk to the dogs before the race and then you can know, you know who to bet on. I'm just saying you couldn't talk to them as Deku Scrub. Yeah, because they try to kill you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking here. I'm trying to see if I missed anything. I didn't, um, just short of saying like, uh, okay, so one thing you've probably heard on other podcasts or whatever, you move really fast. So there's no there's no need for a run button in this game because you just move so quick. And uh, at first it kind of feels weird because you're like inside of a house or whatever at the beginning. But once you're in like the giant open world and, you know, you're moving around and you can pull up a map, you know, and kind of see where you've been. It's got like a map you can pull up at any time, which is pretty cool. Um, you move really fast like it's awesome like it's something that so many games seem to overlook in their ui like let me move quickly i understand what i'm doing just let me move quickly and this game just like trusts that you know what you're doing so you move really fucking fast and i love that so that's what i like so far i love this game i i've had a great time with it i think i put about two hours into it and i was like 
you know, the first time I played it, I was about to go to bed. I like stay up way too late. And then tonight, like I was playing it and I forgot to start dinner and I ended up starting dinner like 45 minutes late because I just got so caught up in it. Yeah, it's it it never like it doesn't really give you a chance to rest so far. It just keeps amping up. And there's a you know, the whole story is that they're celebrating one year of peace after something like 250 years of war. So they finally brokered a peace treaty between like all these fighting kingdoms. And this is a celebration of the one year anniversary of that. And of course there's plots happening, you know, in the shadows to create an event, to start a new war at this celebration of peace, because where else are you going to start a new war other than a celebration of peace? So you're kind of going around and seeing like different characters that are either on one side or the other of the war where, you know, on one hand, you get the people that are just like, we love to fight. We love to kill. We want war. And then you got the people that are like, no, we just want to like have our peaceful lives where we just like buy shit all the time or whatever. You know, you get the uh, capitalists just want to sit on their ass or whatever, you know, the richer people. But you also have the people that are like, this is fake peace. Like by spurring a new war, we might actually broker true peace because we'll get it all out of our system. So, you know, you start to see there's not just two sides to this story, even though it's a battle between two main kingdoms. And, uh, yeah, there's like there's a really cool story. And as far as I know, like I, I pulled up the some information about it. This was made by one person. You know, they had other people helping with the assets and stuff. But yeah, it's another one of those. Uh... Yeah, it's another it's something similar to Stardew where it was one person. And it's it's fantastic so far. And I can't recommend it enough. If you like those old RPGs, I'm talking specifically Super uh, Nintendo. Super Nintendo. And then I, I've seen some people say early PS1 stuff, but I, I don't know enough about that to comment. But yeah, it feels totally like what I would have wanted back then, but it looks way better because it's on modern technology. But it's all sprite based and all the music is very MIDI sounding, but great at the same time. And the story is very riveting. I, I heard it's very like uh, to the point, too. There's not a whole lot of fluff. Yeah. Which as people no. have said, where it's very much like, you know, it's uh, it's it's like it's more like focused than than a lot of our. I mean, it's literally yeah, the polar opposite to Yakuza like a dragon. That's why I think one of the reasons I'm like, yeah, where it was a good like uh, alternate side to that. I'm not right? going to fall asleep because I ha- I have to be on my toes at all times. Mm-hmm. Well, can we move on from there then? Yes. So uh, I wanted to like jump back and forth because I thought it sounded nice when we did it last episode. That's why we're doing that. But I still have a couple things I have to say before we get to the news. But uh, GoldenEye, because I was playing GoldenEye and it was kind of a drab uh, first person campaign, whatever. I decided to play some other first-person shooters on the Switch, and I finally got Bright Memory Infinite, which is also a game that was made by, like, one person. But it's it was that one, uh, John put it on the Slack in the news. Um, it was one that was considered to have really good graphics for a first-person shooter. And it's a, I guess it originally came out as Bright Memory, is what it was called, and Bright Mer- Memory Infinite is basically a remake of that with extra stuff. But it's like one of those, like, it's, it's like a balls-out action game. Um, where, what I mean by balls out is you're like fighting, you're fighting on a plane wing at one point, like, uh, it's just like ridiculous, uh, big set piece action, uh, game type stuff. And it was an interesting one to go to after Goldeneye because this one seemed a lot more focused and it looked a lot better too. 
but I, I beat it in like a two. It said two hours and forty minutes, which I thought I spent like at least like five hours on it. But I don't think it counts all the time that you die. It's it's kind of hard to explain. It's basically, I mean, you're you know, it's your regular first person shooter, but you also have a knife. So it's or you also have a sword. So it's kind of a little bit like Red Steel, I guess. It kind of reminded me a little bit, but better than that. And there's these like. You're ba- there's a big black hole in the middle of everything that's like sucking everything into it. And there's these time vortexes where you get taken back in time and all of a sudden you're fighting these like mythical Japanese warriors. And there's one part where you actually I think they're Chinese warriors because it's a Chinese developer. But um, and there's a part where you fight those giant like um, beast statues that you see at Chinese restaurants like they come to life and you have to fight them. And mm-hmm. you fight like a big giant like six armed creature at the end of the game. Like it's very much like oh, super over the top. And it was fun. Like I was having a blast with it, but it ends, it ends really, really quickly is like the only thing, but you can, you can go back through it again. Like you get additional outfits and stuff like that and additional, and you can change the colors of your weapons or whatever, but it's like new game plus. So you basically go back through it and there's like an experience points thing of sorts where you can upgrade all of your abilities and all your upgrade abilities, like carry on to the next new game plus. And there's multiple levels of difficulty and they basically want you to just, just keep going through it and like fully max yourself out and all that. I wish it would have done something more like uh, Resident Evil Village, where like you actually had like achievements that you had to do like from going through it again. That would make it more fun. But I still thought it was pretty good. I got it on sale. I think it's like twenty twenty five or something like that. Um, I had been looking at it for a while. I got it on sale last week when I said I had that twenty dollar thing from Christmas, or whatever. I used it on that with the NES, NES Escape game. But so it was pretty fun. I played through that one, and after that, I was still in the first person shooter uh, mindset. So I went to play a game that actually I've been wanting to play for a really long time, and that game is Severed Steel. And this game was on sale as well. I think it's like regular twenty bucks, and I got it for fourteen ninety nine or whatever. But uh, Severed Steel came out around the same time as Neon White, so it was like kind of it's kind of in that same area of doing like this really crazy different type of first person shooter. I saw this got reviewed really well, and I've always really been wanting to check it out. The main character is named Steel. Uh, it's called Severed Steel because her arm has been cut off. And basically, as you play through the game, you find a uh, hand cannon to attach to your arm. So you basically become Samus. But uh, the, what, what's the, the big, the big like very intriguing part about this game is you pretty much have to play the entire thing in bullet time. So it's like so it's like a mixture of like Max Payne and uh, su- and like Super Hot and uh, and stuff like that. Um, but that, but that's a really really cool. Uh, uh, what is it? Yeah, it's like Max Payne meets Red Faction meets Super Hot. Uh, Red Faction is in, like, you can destroy walls and, like, go through, like, whatever thing. Also, the Max Payne, you can use... You basically have, like, a bullet time ability, and you have, like, a meter for it. And the meter won't reduce as long as you're doing stunts. So, like, if you're, like, sliding on the ground, or if you're, like, doing a dive, or you're, like, wall rot walking or whatever, your uh, your bullet time meter won't, won't, like, reduce. So you can stay in slow-mo the whole time. And the idea is to basically, like, jump around and kill the people as in, in whatever ridiculous ways you can you can and like when your gun runs out of bullets you can throw your gun at the person and knock them out and you can like and when you shoot them the the gun will automatically come back to you so you'll have it and you can shoot whoever it's super super frantic and very very high paced and it's a lot of fun if you're really good at it i'm not that good at it yet but i mean it's been it's one of those things where it kind of pisses you off and you kind of want to break the controller sometimes but you also don't want to stop playing, you know, so you just keep going and doing it and doing it. And it's really, really impressive. Actually. I was, uh, I was afraid that it was going to be too comp- too complicated for me, but I think, uh, I don't know. I think it's really good. So I've been, I've been enjoying it a lot, but yeah, it's one of those things where you get kind of pissed, but you're like, wait, 
I can try it again. And then you try it again, you try it again. And there's different, like, you know, uh, missions based on sometimes you have to kill all the guys. Sometimes you have to do specific where you have to, you know, destroy whatever machine in there. And it, and you can, and it glows and then you can see it through the wall. So you know exactly where to go. So you don't get lost and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's really interesting. Like I've never really played a first person shooter like that. So it's like, yeah, this game is fun as hell. I don't know if it's on sale and you want to play a weird ass first person shooter. That's, that's fun to play. Check it out. And the one that I've probably waited way too long to talk about, I should have talked about it earlier, but we, we got a review code from 8-Bit Legit. Uh, they sent us a Trophy, a game called Trophy, which is a home which is a homebrew uh, NES game, much like NEScape. And Trophy is a game kind of in, the, I would say it's in the in the ways of uh, Mega Man, where you have uh, different stages you can you can select, and they all have their own theme to them, and there's the different, you know, different characters vary depending on what the theme is. There's this whole, like, really long, like, 10-minute intro explaining, like, Dr. Quinn, I guess, is the evil doctor. and oh, uh, medicine woman? Uh, no. It's well, <laughs> it's spelled with an E, like W-Q-U-I-N-E, whatever. I was like, Quine sounds weird, so it must be Dr. Quinn. Anyway, he, he made, like, these robots that are supposed to help you, like, but they turned evil, you know, because it's, it, it's very much like Mega Man, you know. And there's this robot called Trophy that goes around and you have to get stuff and it reminds me of like Mega Man and uh, and Ducktales and that sort of thing. And uh, there's like uh, you can get you can get like upgrades to your weapon, but you don't get it from the bosses. You have to collect them in the actual game, like within the levels and all that stuff. So I actually had to watch I had to watch some playthrough videos because this game is hard as fuck. I mean, as most of these NES like uh, homebrew ones, they make it for people who like love the NES and want like shit that's gonna beat the shit out of you. And this game does. Um, I I understand that like people want to be want it to be like hard as nails like you know original NES stuff but I really really wish there's a rewind button in a save state but there's not there's neither of those things so this is also one of those you want to break your controller or throw it through the TV sort of things and you have to have a lot of patience with it but I uh I've beaten 3 of the levels so far there's 9 total and I've gotten all of the power ups just from uh just from looking the good thing is after you get the power ups and you get a game over, at least you at least they save through the end. But I want to try to get through it. Um, it has no slide puzzles, so I won't get stuck on it like I did uh, any escape. But no, I think it's a cool game. It's coming out this Friday. Uh, it's nine ninety nine, I think. Um, but for anybody who's looking for like that original NES feel, for anybody who's into like the hardcore NES stuff, I think it's worth trying. I just really wish there was save state or rewind. It would have made it a lot less. Uh, difficult maybe that's what they're going for but i feel like it should be in there as an option is all i'm saying i just love that the that it went from you know homebrew nes to being released on the switch like i'm all about that so even without the the add-ons like you said the quality of life improvements like sure put this on the switch like the audience is there i think in, in the giant install base of the switch the audience is definitely there I think, I mean, I think uh, 8-Bit Legit, you know, thanks for the codes, but they've been doing a lot of great stuff. Like we, you know, within like three weeks of each other, we we had two uh, homebrew NES stuff on there already. So they're, and not to mention like the uh, Garbage Pail Kids game as well. So they're putting a lot of really cool, like unique, uh, you know, made specifically for NES stuff on Switch. And I think that's really, really cool. So that's why they're 8-Bit Legit is because they make games that can actually be played on the NES. Is that their whole uh, rule, I guess? Possibly. I mean, that would make sense. I would think so, right? Because yeah, they're they seem so, to, they cool. seem to be. It's also a clever rhyme. Yeah. Well, I think they're trying to. I think they're trying to take the stuff from the from the homebrew NES community and put it on 
modern consoles and all that, which I think is great. And, uh, you know, it's nice that they've sent us stuff and all that. Also, I got, I got one more Amiibo. Uh, John found it as well while you're looking for the bombs, but I got, got Kazuya here from Tekken. Kirby killer. The guy who tried to kill Kirby. Yeah. I was, uh, when I got this, I was like, I'll put him right next to Terry Bogard. I looked through all of my Amiibo and realized that I do not have Terry Bogard. Terry, you had Terry Bogard. I thought I did. Yeah. Terry Bogard from Fatal Fury. Bogard the Bogard. Do you have any Terry Bogard? What? Like a, another figure that's not an amiibo? Like no. Why would you think you had Terry Bogard? I just thought that I got all the amiibo. But what I, I realized that I think Terry Bogard came out in the middle of the pandemic, uh-huh. of the 2020 pandemic. And I think that we didn't get it just because of fear of uh, yeah. money and all that stuff. Well, money and actually having to go out to get it, yeah. But now it's selling for like $70 on eBay, so... So there you go. Someone did Bogart the Bogards. Yeah. I was just, I wanted to put him next to this guy because they're both from fighting games that aren't Smash Bros. But I do have Ryu and Ken, so, you know, you can get that. But but yeah, I got this. Uh, there was like three of them in, uh, in Target Tekken when I went there. Game. Yeah, I'm not really that much of a Tekken fan, but he looks cool. Whatever. I like, I mean. Whatever, tag team champion 1994. And for, <laughs> and for anybody who's uh, been, keeping, been keeping score, uh, the Minecraft Amiibo are still there. They've still been sitting there. Nobody wants those. They're still sitting in Target. Nobody cares. Uh, there's also the Metroid and the, and the Zelda one is there, but I still see uh, Steve and Alex or whatever. <laughs> there's still a bunch of them just hanging out. I didn't get them. Nobody cared about those. But yeah, let's talk about some news really quickly and then be and then be done here. News and news, news, news. Don't snooze or you miss the news. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple things that I wanted to go through really, really, really quickly. As far as releases go... Power Wash Simulator's out now. That was a game I was interested Finally. in. I wasn't interested in paying $25 for it, though, so I didn't get it. I felt like there's a little I bit just, much uh, for a game that I haven't played, and it looks kind of tedious. Well, think of it like this, because I've been really wanting to Power Wash lately, but it's been too cold. And also, <laughs> like they say, freeze. don't hook your hose up in this weather. But so I have to, so to play the game. Power Wash. So, yeah, something like this is pretty important right now. Sure. Uh, the Minecraft Deluxe Collection came out. Uh, you're the Minecraft person, Jeremy. Do you know what's in the collection? Nope. Yeah, it's probably like uh, a bunch of DLC and stuff that they added over time. I would imagine, like all the like different packs and stuff, because you could get like Mass Effect, and you could get like I think there was a Borderlands. You know, there's just all kinds of random shit, not Microsoft Ma- related, that ended up on the Switch. Oh yeah, no, I, I know you mean like skins and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, there's actual like levels of campaigns and stuff too that they. Oh yeah, there was the Mar- for that. There was Mario stuff that I kind of played yeah. a little bit. It looks like I yeah. mean it's legit content. It's just within the Minecraft universe. So if you're not into that, then you're not going to be playing it. I think you just yeah you get the base game for twenty ninety nine nine ninety nine, and you get whatever else shit is on top of that. It's probably similar to the Hitman like thing where you just get everything. I think. That's probably the thing. It's like up to this point. Sure. Let's just, let's just give you all the shit. But I don't know. Like, I'm just guessing because I'm not going to buy another Minecraft on the Switch. You already have Minecraft. As far as I know, I've got it all. Cool. And uh, what SpongeBob SquarePants Cosmic Shake is out. I heard it's pretty good. I'm not really a SpongeBob fan, but I thought it looked like a pretty good game. It's a sequel to uh, Bikini Bottom or whatever. But the big game, uh, aside from Trophy, Trophy's coming out on Friday. But the big game that I'm really interested in, and I actually preloaded it already, is Fashion Police Squad, which uh, which abbreviated stands for FPS, as in like first-person shooter. 
they actually uh, game explain actually put up like a playthrough of it and i watched it earlier when i was having lunch and uh yeah it kind of just like super sold me on it it's it's a ridiculous like uh uh so you're not joking no no i actually did get the game because i, I thought it, you were I think it looks awesome time. no no it's, i think it looks great uh it's it's a sprite based uh, first person shooter which i love and okay. you basically um you're the fashion police and you have to like you know like, fix people's outfits or whatever you're not actually killing them you're just making them look better so you're like shooting a new top onto them. So or like that. yeah, the way it works is there's di- there's actually different weapons that you have to use for different outfits, which I thought was really interesting. So like you know, say you run into somebody who has a giant suit on, you have to use a specific weapon that will like make their suit smaller so it actually fits them. I thought that was funny because you know we know of a person who wore a giant suit that everybody hates, that you know that didn't get reelected as president thankfully. So um, you know, kind of reminded me of that, but just keep that person away from the stop making sense tour. And there's and there's like a there's there's like you know the you know people who wear like pants like lower you know you use a belt to like help them pull their pants up or whatever. It's like it's stupid shit like that. And uh, there's one where uh, there's like um what is there's a there's a vape there's like vapors that you make them blow bubbles instead of vape uh, clouds and stuff like that. It's I don't know. It's kind of hilarious. I, it sounds I a little Katamari-ish. To me, <laughs> yeah, it's like a goat simulator, like something in between the two. Yeah, sort of. Right. It's, it's super over the top like that. And and like I said, there's different weapons that do different things. Like you have like a, a color blaster that will like turn like business people in dull suits into like give them like more vibrant colors or whatever in their suits. And there's also like a gun that, like I said, there's a gun that's like a seamstress thing that makes the suit smaller or whatever. Or you use, or you whip somebody with a belt to like have them pull their pants up or whatever. And it's uh, it's stupid, but That's it looks, but it looks hilarious. Yeah, and I and I I went and I, like I said, I watched a video of it, and I was like, this game's hilarious. I'm totally gonna get this, and it's it's very much over the top. It's very much like we're in on the joke here. We know it's dumb, but yeah. But also, what a fucking great concept for a game. Fashion police as an actual like police force going around and doing stuff like. I don't know if I know of a game doing that, even though that's been a premise in lots of sitcoms and stuff. You yeah. know, like. That's totally been a trope, but not in a game as far as I know. But yeah, no, I, it's a funny concept. It's actually coming out. I think, I mean, it should be out tonight. It's supposed to come out tomorrow, but, but yeah, no, I, uh, I was like already like, oh, this looks kind of cool. But then I saw like Game Explained did a thing about it and I, and I watched them play it and I was like, all right, this game's hilarious. Cause there's a whole part where you have like this velvet rope that's blocking your pathway and they make a joke about how dumb it is that this like velvet rope and you have to go get magic scissors to cut through it or whatever. Like it's very much like, you know, in on itself, like let's make fun of video games by doing our own like quirky video game, and I, I like I like that sort of thing. But maybe so. also the gatekeeping of the fashion industry at the same time. <laughs> sure, <laughs> why not? I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm reading into. But it, but it's like yeah, it's like yeah. There's this really dumb uh, velvet rope here, which why can't it's only so high? Like we can never jump over it or walk under it. We have to find magic right. scissors. Like they're like you know kind of making fun of the whole like you know this is this is the this is the gate, and you have to get to the next thing. Anyway, I thought it was cool, and I'll talk about it next week because I already preloaded it. So I think it's going to be, you know, I like weird first-person shooters, so I'm into it. There's rumors that there's a Nintendo Direct happening next week. What do you think? Anybody think that's real? Nope. Sure. It's possible. I mean, uh, there's also it's good possibility that, uh, um, I mean, uh, that a certain game is coming out sooner than we might think. Um, what game's that? Talking about uh, uh, the, what's the, the Wars game. Oh yeah, Advance Wars. So that would make sense that there might be a direct if these um, retailers are relisting Advance Wars 
Maybe there is a direct coming up in a couple of days. Well, this is this is why I mean, basically every week of February is going to be a possibility for a yep. direct because every year since the Switch has launched, there has been a direct in February. So there is like yeah, and, and uh, the only other year for Nintendo or, or rather the only other month that's comparable with directs is June, which is the month of E3. So, well, we didn't get one last last year. Well, that's what I mean though. Like when you look at months on the graph of years or whatever from like 27 or like, yeah, like 2012 or 2013 on it's, uh, whenever the direct started, it's, mm. it's basically, June, it's basically August. February and June. Yeah. And yeah. then like something around the holidays. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, if it's not next week, it'll be the week after, but I'd like it to be next week. And that was another thing. There was kind of like somebody sort of leaked that, uh, there was going to be vouchers come back. If you remember, what was that? Twenty nineteen? Was yeah. it twenty nineteen mm-hmm. or twenty eighteen when they were out out there? And now it's confirmed. It's actually on the website. It's a real you thing, and them. now you can actually get them on the eShop. And I love the vouchers because the vouchers you can get two games for a hundred dollars, so you save twenty bucks. That's ten dollars off a game. I mean, I bought so a bunch. It's of a great chance to time. finally buy one two switch. And what's the other button? All your favorites. <laughs> I don't think one two switch is on there, but. Uh, Oh, uh, Sushi Striker. It was pretty funny, like, when you watch the... Because I watched the YouTube video of it, where it's like, and you can buy Breath of the Wild for $60. And I'm like, fuck you. This game is six years old. Come on. Like, really? Can't you sell it for, like, 40 bucks? Like, remember the days of, of like, uh, Player's Choice games that were, like, $20? Like, Yeah, we're never getting a Player's Choice line again, are we? Not right now. Well, I mean, not when the system is selling well. Like, that was only something you got... I mean, Wii U had it, but nobody had a Wii U, you know? Like... Even 3DS did too. You know, they had Player's Choice as well, where they sold specific games for 20 bucks. But that was like an act of desperation, kind of, for them to like keep the install base buying games. Whereas, yeah, where they don't need that now, they don't need yeah. that now. They're getting people to buy second consoles, third co- consoles. Yeah. It was such a middle finger, though. It's like with the vouchers, you can get Mario Kart 8, a Wii U game. You can also get Breath of the Wild, also a Wii U game. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> like, come on. But no, I, I will be getting vouchers for, you know, future games. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom plus something or whatever, you know, like maybe I'm, I'll I'm use it for same. Bayonetta Origins or whatever the fuck, you know, like those things were great. You can say like, you know, like I said, you say save 20 bucks off of two games and 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 they they included like I remember Dragon Quest Builders was in there. I used it for that. Like and uh, yeah, there's there's been like third party stuff included. I know like all the Xenoblade stuff is in there or whatever. So. You could get games for fifty dollars without having to go to Walmart. So there you go. You can do you can do that without having to support a terrible company. There's also something like what is it like two hundred and fifty points you get? A, it's not very many gold points, but you're still getting some of the money back as well. Oh yeah, yeah, you'll get some. You get some dollars back on top of that. So there's that. At least you have that. So it's actually ultimately, you know, you're saving more than twenty bucks with the gold points. Mm-hmm. Was it during the footballs that I was watching on Sunday? Jess and I, we watched uh, the people who are going to be in the Super Bowl, whatever. That second game was pretty good, actually. But uh, we saw Donkey Kong's actual voice, finally, as uh, Seth Rogen. And, um, it is Seth Rogen, and that's that. It didn't... Uh, I didn't like it. Yeah, Jess didn't like it either. I think it's Seth Rogen when he's casual. When Donkey Kong's casual, he's Seth Rogen. When he's Donkey Kong, is a imposing bad guy. Then he's got the, the uh, I don't know. I kind of got like, he's playing the character of Donkey Kong and then like he breaks because Mario is so silly. I didn't like them dog. I didn't like them, uh, you know, talking shit on the cat suit because the cat suit is 
is amazing. So well, I think that's the idea. Hopefully, he fucks him up talk with shit that about cat suit the cat suit, and then all of a sudden, the cat suit is awesome, owned by it. Yeah, I still think it because I think he said yeah. like, uh, "Oh, he got the cat box," like like nobody had got so, it before, right? So he's like talking like the thing that Mario got it out of was like the shit box or whatever. But ultimately, Mario's going to defeat him, and then he's going to be. Like, Damn, Chris Pratt should voice all. <laughs> should voice Video everything. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, you know, for coming from people who you know grew up on Donkey Kong Country and all that, it was. Uh, I don't know. We never, we never really heard Donkey Kong's voice like on any of the games. You know, he's just like, bruh, 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 you know, whatever. But I mean, unless you watch the I was Coconuts show, yeah, unless you watch oh, the right. cartoon, which I never saw. But uh, but yeah, Jess was saying like. Uh, you know, they need like uh, somebody with more gravitas, like Lawrence Fishburne. I thought that was a good. Correct. <laughs> was was a good like uh, uh, or like Tony Todd, you know, from like uh, from the Sea Man movies or something like that. You know, <laughs> so, I mean that's that would be or uh, what was it? Um, they should have uh, John Carlo Esposito, Donkey Kong. Oh yeah, there. I don't know. He's in too much game stuff. Oh, well, actually, he did. He did would, say he said he wanted to play a good guy. So, uh, I well, I did say before that a good guy. Yeah, I said before he should he should play Mar. He should have played Mario. That would have been amazing, actually. Like that would have just plummeted the movie to like the stratosphere or whatever. Like all of a sudden, it would be amazing. If he, I'm if not he had mad at there. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong because I think his voice is in the correct I don't know, category or range or whatever. But I just wish that Seth Rogen would like add a little something. You know, like the way that Jack Black did with Bowser. Yeah. Like, like Lee, Seth, Seth Rogen's got that sort of like you know grumbly kind of voice or whatever the word is for it. Just like amplify that a little bit and uh, you know, give me. How do you think? How do you think an, an ape would talk if an ape was talking? You know, go with that. Sure. He's just like speaking as himself, and that's kind of disappoints me. Well, think of think of Donkey Kong in the even the Donkey Kong Country games. Like he's hoarding bananas. Like it kind of seems like he was just being a total like lazy asshole until the Kremlings showed up, you know, and they stole all his bananas, but he was pretty much just like relaxing until that point. So he was just living his life. Kind of, that's the Seth Rogen. <laughs> living the Donkey Kong life. To. Yeah. Like the Seth Rogen, who is the Donkey Kong that's unchallenged and is just kind of doing this sort of thing all the time. But Mario, maybe he's going to change that. Up. Maybe he's going to steal all the bananas and all of a sudden he's got to like activate his true Donkey Kong instincts. He's got to become the silver Donkey Kong. Like when you die yeah. too many times, the one that helps you get. He's got to look at his. <laughs> well, who's cranky? Is that uh, Fred Armisen? He's got to talk to Fred Armisen. Yeah. I thought he was like Funky better. Kong or something. Is is he cranky? I think he's, he's cranky. cranky. Mm. Yeah. So he's got to go up to Portland and uh, hang out with <laughs> Seth Armisen and the person from uh, Slater Kidney and come down to Earth. Did you know that Fred Armisen uh, dated Natasha Leone for like a really long time? I, 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 I just. I learned, think he also dated her face. From all the indie movies, they dated for like thirteen years or something. I just we oh shit we no, watched uh, Poker Face, which is really good actually. But no, I was I was always a fan of hers of her. But um, let's she could be candy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. She would be a good candy, or I think she would actually be a better uh, Dixie because they even have like True. similar hair. Yeah, it was like a twenty fourteen to twenty twenty two, so that's eight eight years. Um, let's uh, so let's. There's a couple more things. Uh, like two more things, and we can be done here. Uh, we have, we have a Splatfest coming up. There's a new one where uh, the the chocolates are fighting each other. So maybe they will be uh, some different colored uh, shooting of liquids or whatever. We we talked about this on our on our uh, Patreon just about the um, the legendary uh, mayo versus ketchup match. 
but this one it's is like dark the, white dark versus uh, uh milk milk chocolate yeah yeah i'm on i'm on team white chocolate i know it's not really chocolate but i love white chocolate it tastes great i like white chocolate too. so that's me i'm on team white i'm dark chocolate all the way i want my chocolate to not be sweet if possible yeah so you have to be milk chocolate or you, you can pick whatever you want john but you should uh but both of you should play it this time so you can experience uh the tri splat yeah we should get back into it it's coming out it's not this weekend it's next weekend so so uh play i will be on there for sure but i think the big one we should end with is uh is nintendo not coming to e3 now like uh nintendo xbox is, is, and is, sony well i mean xbox and sony already weren't going to e3 so but xbox so nintendo own, not coming like, is a new has thing its own theater like i thought like, yeah that's what i'm saying they like, do yeah it's it's right next door to so the convention center yeah. so it's all in the same complex so yeah. if they're still there then that doesn't even matter like that's the same thing i thought the big thing though was that nintendo wasn't coming because sony and microsoft already ditched e3 a long ass time ago because they because yes they did their they doing their I own specific thing first though with their directs i mean they still have uh they still have their things where you can come and play games so, and they have giant they, they statues. Did do the presentation yeah but Sony wasn't even there. Like Xbox wasn't even there. Like I remember uh, people making jokes on Twitter, being like, "I'm not going to E3 either," because yeah, because Xbox and Sony d- dumped it a long time ago. But uh, yeah, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I know John's. Uh, you you still you still have the believe you still believe in the E3. Yep. What do you? Th- how do you feel about this? Yeah, I think. Um, well, e- the ESA responded. Um, what did they say? I'm going to summarize because I can't find the exact response, but it's something along the lines of we're always, you know, in negotiations with these kinds of things. And uh, it was something to the effect of like things could change. And it's just that right now that's the stance, but they're just trying to figure out how to keep the show going forward. And obviously the ESA is going to keep reaching out to the big, the biggest three video game uh, companies. The ESA is a, Whoever's putting on E3 is that ESA? Yeah, the Entertainment Software Association is suddenly essentially the union group. Their main function is to, you know, lobby at Congress and stuff for the interests of the game industry. So it's essentially the government apparatus speaking out about this. Wow. Yeah, it's the yeah the game industries you know or one government one lobbying step group. away from yeah. I think you know what I read from the minimal amount I did read. I mean, it was Cat <laughs> Bailey who I follow on Twitter who. Broke the news to me, and it was you know as an IGN. She's a great exclusive or whatever industry and, uh, legend. Oh, absolutely. So I mean, I believe it, and it's just like E three for me has always just been exciting as a spectator. But we saw last year, like was it last year? Nintendo didn't really. Last year was the was when, like I was saying earlier, they didn't do a direct. Like yeah, we 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 would call it the year of the endless E three because since there was an E three, there was just all these other directs from all these different things. And it was so like just a week after week, after week, after week of announcements and, and events. And according and to whatever. IGN, it had yeah. something to do with mismanagement on the part of probably the ESA and all that, like where it was just too murky what exactly was happening. So it was easier to just say, you're not going to be there. So maybe yeah, things will change, but I don't doubt that there will be media events of some form at the same time. I mean, E3 itself, you know, we used to love that, but, it's not the be all end all of of summer games reveals anymore. I think, yeah, I mean, I think there'll still be something, but it would be kind of weird if like Nintendo isn't there specifically. Like I said, Sony and Microsoft already left, 
but if but if like it's like who do we have like who i guess it'd be could be its own indie thing which could be cool you know as well i think but, it'll be more focused on consumer electronics like what it originally was like here's like, a curb tv look at it exactly like it'll be more about shit like that and maybe like pcs and stuff so it's not like it wouldn't continue without the big three like the big three are just what we think of as the e3 like that never was the intention of e3 maybe it was part of it but it was always about just electronics and like bringing in companies from other countries and stuff that were gonna like exhibit their shit they were working on and nearly mass producing and all that so and probably people looking for investors and stuff like on a smaller scale so that'll continue it just won't be like the big be all end all of uh video game announcements so i mean it, it hasn't been for a while i'm not that surprised well it hasn't even existed for like the past two years cause yeah. of, because yeah because of uh you know pandemic and all that yeah i don't know i mean i i wouldn't put money on it i mean well i'm sure it's it would be kind of sad if it it yeah if it does happen and then it's just like what do we got here uh we got this guy he's making a game for apple what's up you know or maybe like mm-hmm. ios like small shit whatever i don't know We'll see, but it's it's not we'll looking see not looking good for E three. We'll see concurrent things. It just won't be part of the E three show. That's what I think. So we, we're as a you know consumers via internet. I don't think we'll lose anything, but those who want to actually be on the show floor and stuff, they're the ones losing out. And you know all the, I mean all the video game journalism, any any type of journalistic shit on the internet just keeps folding like. All the big conglomerates are closing shit down. So, yeah, a lot of people. Even are that fired. aspect means less now. So, what yeah. is E3 anymore? I don't know. What is what is a uh, video game other journalism than, or anything? Other than just reminding us it's June and it's time to let everyone know about the cool stuff that's going to come out before and during the holidays. Sure. All right. Well, uh, I think that's our episode for episode 356. Thanks everybody for listening. If you want to hear more of us and hear additional episodes, like the one that we just posted about our uh, our new thoughts on our our top tens from six years ago, go to patreon.com slash Podcast and support the show and get bonus episodes and all that. And for anybody who owns, who's on the $5 feed, you get to hear the, uh, the um, wrap-ups of the music every week. That one will be up in a couple days. Actually, well, this will be posting on Friday, so it'll probably be up Friday night, so... You check that out there. Also, uh, if you want to hear Jeremy and I talk about Goldeneye, go to youtube.com slash Podcast. You can see it on there. And uh, twitch.tv slash Podcast. I actually streamed Trophy. It's the first time I've streamed in a couple weeks, but it is a stream Trophy, and I got killed a lot. But you can watch that. Watch me die a lot. But this coming Monday, I'm going to stream the true Goldeneye, and that is Goldeneye 007 on Wii. I'm going to stream the fuck out of that game because it's really fun to play. So, you know, stop by and watch that. I normally stream around 11 o'clock, so check it out in that central time. And uh, if you want to find us on Twitch or on Twitter, I'm at jmac... No, Jeremy's at jmacstack. I'm at Nintendo underscore domain. You can find us on there. And yeah, that's that. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We've been your hosts. I'm Trey Johnson. Jeremy Mikowski. John Nitter. And uh, we'll see you next week. See ya! <laughs>